everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today, we are going to be taking a look at Degrassi Next Generation Season 4, Episode 5, Anywhere I Lay My Head. Uh, before we get too far into this episode, there are quite a few content warnings on this. We're going to be talking about alcoholism, homophobia, self-harm, ableism, abuse, and bullying. Um, but to get us through this episode, we have, uh, we have a returning guest. Um, who is absolutely wonderful. We're so excited to have again. Please give it up for Demi. Hey, Demi. Woo! Hey, hi. So. I'm excited to be here. Yay, I'm so glad. Um, my question for you is, I know you have been following the series, re-watching the series, and in the process of, um, Basically, like I just feel like sometimes I get updates from you and your rewatch. What's it like rewatching Degrassi <laughs> right now in 2019? Um, it's interesting because I think that some of my some of my opinions that hold fast are very informed by my much much younger self, and I just want to let them go. Like I know I hated Paige growing up, mm-hmm. but listening to the pod and um, rewatching it as an adult, like I definitely don't hate her as much she's still not my favorite but I can see why she is liked as a character by people such as you guys and I like I get her nuances more where as a kid I was a lot more black and white it was just like she's mean I don't like her we take bullies down where I'm from like fuck that girl um, but a lot of my opinions do change because it's like I don't remember my opinion as a kid wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and I just or I appreciate more of the like oh, this is so helpful for kids to watch, and then I get more more attached to certain storylines because I know that it's important for kids to see that stuff. Whereas when I was a kid, I was just like, whatever about the storyline. So it's interesting. I'm reforming opinions and, like, arguing with my younger self. It's fun. Some of them, like, I know that, <laughs> I know that the way that I feel about Manny Santos and her original, like, coming out of the cocoon, I'm rebelling against my parents, I'm now a sexual human in some way, shape, or form. Her, like, you know growing up in that way and shoving herself into the spotlight in that way is really hard to watch as an adult. But there's this part of me that is just like, I still remember watching her and being like, I want to be that girl. I want to mm-hmm. be that scandalous. And so I'm just like, still in my adult home, it's like, Manny Santos is the fattest, fattest bitch on earth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I know that when I'm saying these things on Twitter, it is slightly irresponsible because it doesn't, it doesn't cover the whole topic or all of the nuances but i'm just like i was so proud of her for doing whatever she wanted (laughs) it's interesting yeah i really like i i really enjoyed when you have shared things on on social media because i feel like that's exactly the read i've been getting when i've been looking at your tweets is kind of like and i feel like this happens i'm sure with a lot of veterans where like you're watching the thing and you have like your child self and your child feelings kind of colliding with who you are now and Sometimes you do just have to accept the fact that, like, you're like, no, I fucking like this. Like, I'm not going to sit around and parse, peek it apart and be like, oh, this is why, like, X, Y, and Z, this is why this is, like, problematic, or this is why it has an ism in it. It's like, sometimes sometimes you just got to be like, you know what, fuck it, I love this. And I, I really appreciated seeing, I love when you just kind of go, like, as I remember you tweeting about her, uh, her transformation um during that season and i remember you just being like yeah i fucking love it and i'm just like you know what that is totally fair like the cameraman lingers on her butt and the fucking g-string and i'm just like this is not appropriate that's a child but like i'm also thinking about my younger self going yes do what you want i was just so happy about it at the time um it's interesting but then there's also things like you know the 
reverse racism did you call me a polar bear spinner situation with jimmy and like as a kid i'm sure i didn't think about that at all and as an adult i'm just like this is ridiculous and irresponsible like no one's being racist against you at least they made him sound like a fool because he's a fool right (laughs) like i'm completely reformulating opinions so it's interesting it's both yeah i mean i i look forward to like your continued thoughts about about all this type of stuff and i'm really glad that you're here today because i feel like there's just there's some interesting stuff happening in this episode some of it i mean we've started lightly talking about some of the things that kind of caught our eye during it but before we get too far into discussion would you like to introduce our a plot and our b plot Sure. Okay. So our A plot seems to be that um, Ellie is at a crossroads at home because her mother's alcoholism is really revving up and Sean offers for her to stay with him. And it's a dilemma and it's a tricky situation. Um, Yeah, we'll get into it. There's there's more to it, but then it'll be more than one sentence. (laughs) And the B plot is that essentially that Manny is like kind of flirting with Spinner and vice versa and there's a car wash um, for Spirit Squad uniforms that she is now in charge of because Paige is sick and Spinner keeps flirting with her and it becomes somewhat tricky. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jimmy's back. Jimmy's back. Hey, with the popped collar during the car wash. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Although I do remember everybody doing that back then. Now I'm realizing it might not be that Jimmy's back just because it feels like he's gone for a while because of the hiatus. Yeah, I feel like with the hiatus, because he was not really in any of the... I mean, he was in some deleted scenes, but he wasn't in any of the auditions that we saw. Yeah. So we we did not really see... We haven't seen Jimmy Brooks for a little bit. Um, but fun Donnie trivia about this episode. This was my first episode of Degrassi. I wish I could remember my first episode. I don't recall. My memory is garbage. No, I just had, like, a very specific moment, because, like, I heard of Degrassi, because, like, um, I was really into, like, as a kid, I was really into, like, Entertainment Weekly and stuff like that, so, like, I read a lot of, like, media criticism of media I did not or could not consume. Um, so, with Degrassi, I know they covered it a lot, and we're like, oh, there's this show from Canada, and they handle all these, like, heavy issues, and they do it well, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, I wish I had that channel, and I remember, I was like, I have, my family is visiting, like, family friends, and they had, like, DirecTV, so they had the N, and I remember being like, okay, I'm gonna try and, like, figure this out, and I went into one of the kids' bedrooms who had a cable box in their bedroom, and I, like, put on the TV, and this was the episode that was on. Um, and I remember being like, oh, shit. Because, like, this episode is kind of interesting. I feel like, in some ways, like, there's, there's like, almost, like, a simplicity to aspects of the episode, and yet, like, there's a lot of layered effects happening in it because you have, like, so many different heavy topics like abuse and alcoholism and self-harm and things like that. So, like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, wow, this is actually, like, a lot going on in in this show. Like, I hope I can try and figure out how to watch it again. Mm. It wraps you in real quick. What was that? It wraps you in so quickly. It's like you see one episode, especially if it's one like this, or at least as a kid it does, and you're just like, well, I need to know everything else. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, in the case of, like, Ellie, especially, like, as a 
person at the time who, like, let's be frank, like, was a scene kid and shit like that, like, see a kid who dresses kind of like you and is, like, going through it like that, you're like, oh, okay, I feel, like, curious, I want to see this character through, I want to know who these other characters are, they look like, I mean, I don't think, like, as a kid viewing the show, I went, oh, they, like, look like me because they're the same, like, age and stuff like that, but I do think that there's something more intriguing about them that maybe you don't always get in certain teen media where everyone looks really, like, glossy and significantly older and things like that. I think when they look... Uh-huh. They look like people you could be friends with. And I think that's what is a really yeah. good hook for Degrassi when you're a kid. Yeah. But, so, this was my first episode, um, which is very exciting, and I'm glad that we're all here today to observe my first baby's first episode <laughs> way back when. Yay! Um, but let's take a look at this B-plot first. Who's a waza? Mm. Um... <laughs> Um, honestly, like, there's not that much to this B-plot. No, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting. Some of our more problematic, shall we call them, uh, people are gone, like Danny, JT, and Toby, and after last episode, thank Jesus. (laughs) We needed a break after last episode from them, and I think the writers knew that. Um, Goddamn penis pump. A penis pump. I, like, you know you know what I realized I should have done? I should have gone through the editing and just picked out how many times we said that word. <sighs> it must have been in the low 50s. I'm telling you guys, you need a bingo game. We I'm really do. You. <laughs> I like, there's so many things that reoccur. I'm so surprised I have not heard Mama Onu in a while. I know. <laughs> you need a bingo game of keywords that come up in this pod. Or drink a game. Sure. Want to go there. Well, thank you, because now I have to erase the number number of days since last Mama Onu mentioned board. I know. Well, I'm so sorry. Back to one. In the, in the lore of I Hope Pod, <laughs> it needed to come up. I think I think our problem with Mama Onu is that Mama Onu was such a wonderful reference when we viewed Emma far more favorably, and I feel like because Emma has fallen off. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> two seasons at this point. Now I just want Mama Onu to basically become her imaginary friend. And she's like, no. I don't need you anymore, Mama No, no, no. I need Mama Onu to appear, like, in The Lion King. <laughs> and, like, Mama Onu leaning in from the clouds going, remember who you are, Emma. I was gonna say, like, a fairy godmother, but I think that's better. Thank you. Remember you who... Know she's like the weeping willow tree from Pocahontas or whatever. It's problematic yes. in the movie. Yes, problematic, but the image of Grandmother Willow also works in this context. Remember who you are. That's right, an activist. Well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> you weren't very good at that. You need to actually give a shit. Actually she's totally going to be an eco-terrorist in her future. Oh, <laughs> it's true, though. Especially with the GMO jag that she went on, like... I'm scared. I'm yeah. Scorpions! I feel like we have said, we have made such scary premises for, like, what Emma will end up being on the show. Like, we, we've come up with some... 
I just, I mean, it's hard to be optimistic when you when you watch a character fuck up tremendously for multiple seasons. Well, my she should have just stuck to her dolphin pants, her dolphin pants, and ate her food. That's what I she should have done. But here we are. I know. I one hundred percent agree. If if it was just that, I feel like I would view Emma more, far more favorably. Like that's why. Like I was. I remember you also. I think pointed out like when when guests come onto the show and they talked about how much they like liked Emma. In hindsight, I'm like, why, why, why was there such a collective that liked her? And I feel like maybe it is. Know. It might have been that nostalgia for the first few, the first, the initial like yes. entity of her. I agree. I feel like we 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 remember the first impressions a bit more, maybe, unless you remember the last impression more. I feel like it's one of the two. Yeah. And I think people really identify with like earlier Emma before, because she was she was like innocent and it was endearing. Like you're very young, and if you do mess up with your activism. No, it's fine. We know that you're very young. And then she just got more and more problematic. Exactly. It just got more and more stuff going on. Her treatment of Manny was inexcusable, and it just kept... And her treatment of Chris was also inexcusable, and it just kind of kept piling up. You know what? I'm going to give the actual actress a um, shout-out for not being one of those, like, shitty Instagram fitness people who's just like, here, try this tea that is definitely going to fuck you up. Why does is your social media like? What's it like? I mean, it's mostly just her actually in a bikini. Good for her. I mean, yeah, not, I'm not like, I don't have a problem with people being whatever shape they want. I have a problem with those people who are hawking teas you know they did not drink because you know it's going to give them the shits. Yeah. Like, and they're hawking that on people who don't know better, and like Jamila, uh, Jamila Jamil. Thank you for standing up against those people. And I'm really happy that she says, like, there was a um, headline where she's like, Jamila Jamila wants celebrities to shit their pants. She's like, I've never been more proud of a headline. True. Because <laughs> she's like, I want people to try these and then shit their pants. Right. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, can we finally get to the B-plot? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying Sorry. talking. I love chatting with you guys, but it's like, but it's like, sometimes it's a blessing and a curse, because it's like, I'm having a great time, and it's like, wait, I have a podcast I'm supposed to be corralling. Okay, but this, <laughs> this wasn't actually, this was a good episode. Yeah. And unlike, um, this is the same thing we run to teen, on Teen Girl Talk, and I'm going to just say this real quick, and then we'll get back to the episode, is good episodes start firing off the synapses, and, like, you're just, like, energized. That's ba- true. Bad episodes and bad movies that I have to watch. I'm just like, you must bear witness to this with me. <laughs> true. Like, look upon the waist that is JT. Yeah, that's true. Penis pump. Right. Got it. So, okay. Um, so, this B-plot opens up. Spinner's kind of, like, drumming around in the hallway as Manny walks past. Um, Spinner doesn't really acknowledge her as she's going by. Um, and Manny then kind of says, like, hey, I kind of, I need you. First it's Paige needs a favor. It then quickly devolves to she needs a favor from Spinner, um, and specifically for his band to play at the car wash. Um, Spinner points out that it's not his band, and then slowly the gears begin to turn because he realizes that Manny cannot just ask Craig. And this, I feel like this B-plot is where we truly understand how messy this fucking social group is um i already had so many i paused so many times sorry i I took notes so i paused so many times in that part alone because it was like why are you drumming on your lap what are you doing but also but also like he was like i well it's not my band like well obviously you can ask craig for her what is your game here 
And then he, yeah. he also was already starting that really messy stuff of like, Paige wrecked my car, so I'm going to be shitty to her. I don't owe her anything. I'm just like, oh my God, you guys right. are so messy. <laughs> right. It's so messy. It's like you're going to pull other people who are just outsiders into your drama. Like, they may not even have the full context to it. It's just like, it was like, if, if I was not watching this in a somewhat, like, if I was not, like, doing a podcast on this where I had to analyze each and every episode, I feel like I would have had to, like, pause and, like, make a web almost for a second <laughs> to be like, okay, why are we doing this? What's this issue? What's this issue? Okay. I sometimes feel like I need to do that with my therapist for her to understand, like, what's going on in my life. Right. Right. No, I, I, my, my therapist takes very careful notes. Um, and I like how they don't use, like... Ice cream as the example of oh, like yeah, she begs. with syrup and sprinkles oh, on it. It's, a, it's ketchup it's and gravy. Ketchup and gravy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a poutine reference. I'm guessing. Maybe right, right. I mean, that would have gravy on it. I have no idea. I, I was like really confused. I had to watch it twice because it was like, um, there's parts of this episode I do remember distinctly. I do distinct. I did distinctly remember the gravy point, and Spinner also like goes like, "Oh yeah, gravy, huh?" And I'm like, "This is not what I want." <laughs> I'm good. Anyway, um, so cut to Craig's garage. Yep, there is Craig's garage. So Ashley is now part of the band. <laughs> Which I don't recall it being formally announced within canon yet. Um, by the way, little note based on the transcript: Manny specifically begs with ketchup, gravy, and big hugs. Big huge hugs, which I had to listen to twice because I don't know what she was saying. It's she was like big huge hugs, and I was like, what? Big, I did big the same thing. What is that? Mm-hmm. Is that what they? <laughs> it's a Canadian thing. Is that what they called the the little? cheese things cheese curds i thought it was about cheese curds at first too my brain just went like oh the, she's talking about cheese curds the cheese curds on top <laughs> hey if it was about poutine yeah i don't think that was a bad jump i don't think that was a bad logical jump no not necessarily not a bad jump i don't know anything about poutine anywhere i've had it not for lack of want it's very good i quite uh, like it I mean, in in New Jersey, we just have what's called disco fries. Yeah, you just yeah, that's... and we melt that cheese all the way. God damn it! Um, <laughs> anyway, so anyway, uh, in Chris' garage, downtown Sasquatch still sucks. <laughs> right, like I do appreciate. I really appreciate how they do not sound good. That's like not at all. Honestly. I really appreciate that. Like, I really like that we are not supposed to believe that these this band of, like, teenagers have come together to create the best band ever. Like, I really love that, like, when you listen to it, things are offbeat. Everyone's kind of at their own pace. I don't think any of these kids know music theory. And it's, like, totally delightful to me in that sense. You know, I know I'm being a shit, but part of me now, I just saw that part of me really wants Craig to just end up at the car wash. <laughs> Another car wash, the um, the the used car dealership. Oh God! I mean, it's there for him. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm just like, oh God, that'd be such a good ending to a story. <laughs> he just takes on Joey's position. Yeah, um, and he's balding. <laughs> he just like he just shaves his whole head, grows out a beard, and just becomes Joey. 
Um, so, yeah, Craig's like, you're coming in way too early. And Spinner makes the point, how are we supposed to get better if all we do is rehearse? I mean, we should play another gig. And that which confused me, because I'm like, isn't rehearsal how you get better? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do kind of understand where Spinner's getting at in the sense that, like, rehearsal ultimately does not have as high of stakes as performing does. So I guess in, I do kind of see what Spinner is getting at, which is probably why Ashley agrees with him, because it's like, you almost force yourself to hit the next level if you have to perform. Oh, okay, so it's like he's getting ready for the fight with Boo. So you gotta train. Sure. You gotta train harder than you ever did before. Because... I- yeah, I mean, it, it is like that, though. Like, you have to kind of, like, make yourself be- hit the next level at a faster pace than you may have if you were just kind of rehearsing without any stakes. I kind of get it. But then, like, Ashley agrees with him, and he's like, yeah, shut the fuck up, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was legit funny. I, I hey. thought it was funny, too. On the table. But, but, uh, she didn't even react, she was just like, oh. Yeah, she was just like, okay. Um, but... And then, she, and then she's just like, hey, Spinner, what was the last thing the drummer said before he's thrown out of the band? Hey, guys, got some songs I want us to try. Oof. <laughs> but, um, so Craig just says, like, you know, maybe we can put more pressure on ourselves. And Spinner's like, yeah, that's why I booked us already, <laughs> before I even asked you. And it's like, oh, oh, no. And then, of course, Marco, being neurotic, is like, wait, we're not ready. Um, and, you know, they try to vote on who is for it and who is against it. Spinner, Craig, and Ashley end up being for it. Marco and Jimmy end up being against it. It's majority wins. It's then Spinner in, like, classic, like, almost like a sitcom thing. He's like, Manny will be so excited. And then, of course, like, Craig and Ashley are like, Manny! Um, oh, and there was a mention before. I was like, we need to be smoking hot. Oh, my God, when Jimmy makes that weird purring noise. Um, and he goes, speaking of smoking hot, and I'm just like, who is writing this episode does not understand Jimmy. It's, it's really funny because there is no note in the transcript site that we use about the noise that comes out of Jimmy's mouth afterwards. (laughs) Well, what's weird is, like, she gets, like, the, the transcriber has, she gets on one knee, her usual position, like, what the fuck does that mean? What? Ooh, what? Where? What? Um... N- Manny gets down on her knees, her usual position. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. Fuck, Fuck you. Fuck. I don't like that one bit. Fire them. Right? Fuck you, transcriber. Yeah, fuck you. Ew, I don't like that one wow. bit. Ow, ew. Ew, Gross. ew. So anyway. I'm, I'm very curious, because like, I was not really in the Degrassi fandom, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was the case, but like, I was under the impression people liked Manny? Was there just, like, a whole bunch of people who were, like, really, like, well, awful toward her? Speaking of Degrassi bingo... I'm, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. I was saying I think there was a, a divide. I can't really say, but I, I feel like there were kids who were just, like, they knew slut-shaming, they were taught slut-shaming, they were just like, no, she's wrong! Don't like her, she's nasty. And there were other kids who were just like, I don't know, I like Manny a lot. Like, what's real? I feel like it was one or the other. Yeah. So, going back to talking about Degrassi Bingo, I had at one point looked it up because um, I had heard of David Cage Bingo, um, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of the stuff on the thing was just 
a lot of slut shaming in Manny. Like, do you see Manny's whale tail? Do you is mm-hmm. Manny acting like a slut? I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna bring this up right now. Like, yeah, yeah, like I, because I was like looking up. Sometimes I like look up like GIF generator stuff to like see if there's something goofy I can put on social media, and I remember at one point when I was looking up GIFs. I found an obscene amount of Manny Craig shipping stuff, like, old shit, like, the classic type of, of, like, you know, LJ icon looks that I'm sure if you were of the time, you know what I'm talking about. I remember that kind of being all that I saw, so I was like, maybe people liked her, but, like, I legitimately could not tell you either way, especially because it's, like, I feel like whenever you're in fandoms that have, like, a huge ensemble, it's very easy to end up in a very specific corner of it where you don't really know or don't care to know everything else. And I feel like in my case, I was, like, very focused when I was on, like, the end boards. I was doing very specific things and that I wouldn't just not associate with the corner of fandom that you're talking of, Frank. Yeah. And I think, like, I was just, like, ignorance is bliss. That's just what I'm going to fucking do. I mean... I think the issue is that, like, Manny is trying to own her sexuality, and it happens messily, and the unfortunate part, especially in the fandom, is that it happened with the cutest boy. Yeah, and it sucks, because even the series is trying to point it out. Yeah. And yet, it's not resonating quite right. Because, I mean, like, you know, that that idea, like, of who is the cutest... Like, we all know that factors into it. It's true. And who is the boy. Yeah, and Craig is the boy. Yeah. So. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. I love Manny. I still, yeah, I still really like Manny. Like, I hate what happened to her. Like, but it's, it's, I hate what happened to her, but it's also an unfortunate truth that this is how it would actually happen. Yeah, that's true. So. So anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, you so, know. Uh, Demi, do you got anything before we move on? Actually, I was ruminating on <laughs> the very sitcom thing that happens right before the scene ends. Right. Um, as Donnie mentioned, they both go, Manny! And it, like, the right, and as far as the writing goes, I was just like, that doesn't. Like, like you think that Craig would have a little more tact and pretend to not care. Like, if you care a lot, this is about Manny right in front of your girlfriend that you cheated on her with and then tried to date both of them at the same time and then uh, tried to date the other girl afterwards and then got her pregnant and tried to make her keep the baby. You would, <laughs> you would try to pretend not to care anymore because Ash is still your girlfriend. And I was thinking about that because the writing annoyed me. Yeah. So, I zoned out. Sorry. No, no, no. That's totally okay. You know, all, all things considered, if Craig and Ashley just leaned into it, they could make the Canadian rumors. The Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac album. Is that a show? Oh, oh. yes, yes, yes. That's true. <laughs> You're right. I agree. Like high school rumors. As the two talented musicians of yes. the school. I'm now understanding. <laughs> I am now following. Just a band of people sleeping together and then writing songs about it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. They could, but instead they're just going to do like, you know, these types of shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so, the car wash looks like a shit ton of fun, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's very rowdy. 
Um, it's, I have a couple, yeah, no, it's kind of interesting. There's a couple notes. Number one, Spinner is just kind of like, Razzin on Hazel, and just like, Hazel has to fucking take like getting hosed. Um, but they seem to be, I kind of like Spinner and Hazel's relationship. It always kind of comes off to me that they have a very friendly kind of relationship because of the fact that Paige is this mutual like connection between the two of them, mm-hmm. which I've always kind of appreciated. Um, but what was shocking, yeah, me too. Like, I feel like I never picked up on it as a kid rewatching it as an adult. I appreciate it a lot more. Like, I like that even though like, you know, there are some issues within Spinner and Paige's relationship. I really appreciate that. It's like the fact that they both seem to like Hazel does not seem to be the issue. Yeah. And a boy and a girl being friends as as annoying as this is, is a hard concept for the straights to this day. So, like, seeing any boy and girl on TV who are straight being friends, and it's not like a, hmm, is there a connection there? Are they going to flirt? Is there going to be a scandal? Is, like, actually a little revolutionary, as annoying as that is to say. No, I, I agree, though, because it's like, it is one of those things where, unfortunately, you need a model a lot of the time, and I feel like, as much as we see that, especially in, you know, especially in LGBTQ spaces, we're like, well, duh. But, like, I think that in the case of a lot of, like, straight people, they don't always have a model to go off of. Well, we kind of talked about mm-hmm. that. I'm sorry? Oh, I just said, mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> I just don't want to, like, talk over anyone. Um, like, I've, I've talked about that, like, where... You know, the examples I get most of the time of, like, this is how boys act is, like, JT and Toby. I'm like, I don't want to act like that. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't want to be like, well, somebody think of the straight people. But yeah. there is something to be said about providing a model for youth and adults of, like, what, you know, how these relationships can function. Yeah. It is possible. Like, I think, I feel like that's what... Sean was in the first season of, like, the kid who is put down for being, like, from the wrong side of the tracks or trouble, and he's just like, no, I want to be, a, I'm a good boy. Yeah. Like, not, he doesn't, you know, say that, but he acts like it. Yeah. Know? No, it's true. And then he does take a turn, but now, this episode, we see him taking a turn back. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, figuring stuff out. He's on his own timeline. But, um, I... What I also wanted to know was we are introduced to Darcy, which I forgot this was how Darcy was introduced. I know. I can't, I don't want to say anything as Frank has not gotten to know Darcy yet, but I forgot how. You know, I actually don't remember anything. I I know that I distinctly as a child did not like her and I have no reason why. And I still have not gotten to her storyline in my rewatching. So I'm just like, why do I dislike this girl? I have no idea. It's, it's mostly, I won't say anything about Darcy, especially because I do think that there are aspects of her storylines that I just need to revisit as an adult to really make sense of. Um, but I think that in the case, because there are some aspects of Darcy that I was just like vehemently against as a teenager, but I think it was kind of much like what you said to me earlier about how like when you're a kid, you don't see the shades of gray with these characters as easily. And I feel like Darcy ended up in that situation where, like, I, I was not able to look at her with the amount of, like, you know, the amount of nuance that per- I would be able to now. 
Um, but I just found it really interesting that they introduced this character who, I know this is kind of a spoiler to you, Frank, does end up becoming one of the more principal characters in the cast in, in this way, because... The minute they gave her a... Uh, uh, a the, name? <laughs> the, the minute they gave her a name, I was like, okay, well, a new challenger has appeared. Right, it's just like... <laughs> It's just, like, Spinner blames Darcy for spraying Hazel, and then, like, we have, like, this, like, like this, you know, the camera lens kind of focuses in on Darcy, um, and Darcy's just like, what? Um, and that is, like, how we get introduced, and the Spinner just fucking, like, takes the hose to her, like, puts the hose in her face. Uh, and part, okay, and I know this is probably gonna sound <laughs> shitty, but I was also like, okay, yeah, she's definitely gonna be probably become principal character, because she's white. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Degrassi, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, since since race is in the room, one thing that I noticed while watching this this particular part of the scene is that Hazel gets sprayed, and quite possibly some of her hair gets wet, and her yeah. hair is straight pretty much for all of the show, yeah. and it's obviously straightened. And as a black girl who had a perm for all of those years of high school and junior high school, I would have lost my mind if you put water on me unauthorized. Like, right. my hair is going to change instantly. And then my mom's going to beat my ass. Not really, not literally. But my mom's <laughs> going to be so mad if you wet my hair. And she didn't flip out. And I was just like, huh. Yeah, like, I'm very... Odd. Like, I really hope that, like, she... Hopefully she was given a heads up, like this the scene was gonna happen. Like it was like, oh by the way, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get like drenched in this scene. Like I hope you are prepared. Your hair will not be spared in this scene. But like you're absolutely right, because it's like I feel like yeah, no, that's like a legitimate thing that most people would be like, hey, what the fuck are you doing, Spinner? Like, fuck you. And she just is like laughing. She's having the time of her <laughs> Seven at a time. I, like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, make this all about myself, but I'm wondering how many hijinks I missed out on, because, like, when I was a, when I was a young Frank, and still today, I was just like, don't mess with people's hair, like, especially, you know, especially, like, you know, uh, women, because they probably put some effort into it, and I'm not gonna, like, just fuck that up to be an asshole, <laughs> And also, like, don't just spray Rock's people. Better. Don't spray people with water in general. <laughs> Spinner does not give a fuck. Yeah, so I'm just like, did I miss out on hijinks? But you know what? If it meant I didn't ruin somebody's day, it was worth it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But um, the energy we're we're kind of taking, we're we're really like picking this apart and kind of <laughs> pointing out certain things, which I think are very valid. It's not played in this way at all in the scene. It's very just like high-energy hijinks, it basically. Remind, it remind me of the food fight. Yeah, it's a very similar kind of energy where, like, everyone's just kind of, like, very loose. Spinner, I mean, Spinner's able to spray a bunch of women and he does not get pummeled for it. We're, it's very much, like, this is also, like, the least efficient car wash I've ever seen. Yes, they're very bad at, at a car wash. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Manny um, approaches Craig during all of this and Ashley kind of, like, orders him to come up on stage as soon as she spots her. Um, Spinner is, like, standing next to, to Manny at some point, and then Hazel throws a sponge in his face. 
Um, and then Craig's just like very sad and vaguely distressed during a lot of this. And this was really where I was like, oh, fuck. Everybody has like a connection to each person in the scene, basically. And it's messy. Um, there's a Marco and Ellie scene after this, but that's more A-plot, so we're going to skip that. Yeah. Um. The car wash itself, we have to listen. I forgot downtown Sasquatch has, like, a reggae phase. Oh, it's so awful. Uh, it's uh, rough. Uh, it's really rough. I really uh, forgot about that. Uh, but, like, who uh, made that choice? Was Sublime big at the time? <laughs> but, like... Like, they had a sound that was very of the time, and I saw nothing wrong with it. Like, it, they just kind of sounded like every other, like, alt-rock band that was out at the time. To be fair, though, Craig is one of those, like, I'm a citizen of the world douchebags who would think Oof. he's okay to sing a reggae song. Oof. Oof. Oh, boy. Oof. He, he, he has a couple of forks, up, like, coming up in life in which he chooses which direction to go in in his artistic and self-expression. And one of those forks might include white people dreads. And I hope he doesn't choose them. But that's where he's headed. It's true, though. It's like, this is such a, a choice. Because it's like, when we're saying it sounds like reggae, like, we're not talking, like, ska. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if Downtown Sasquatch was a ska band... <laughs> but, like... If Downtown Sasquatch was a ska band, Joey would be like, yo, I definitely need to keep this used car dealership. Joey would be, like, be like, pick it up, pick it up. You gotta wear this hat now. Oh, stop! <laughs> Who's on your trombone and trumpet? It's like, hey, I can play your trombone. I can be your brass section, Craig. Oh my god, either that or they're gonna change their name to Jamrock Sasquatch. <laughs> really lead to Craig. <laughs> but like but yeah that's the thing it's like he is actively choosing to go not make that type of type of sound like once again if it was ska i've been like okay i get it like fine but like there's this very intentional attempt at like a reggae sound and then like you have all these kids washing cars inefficiently Weird old men sitting on the park benches, drink, like, eating snow cones during it? What? Oh, boy. Um, yes, I know. This is literally going to take nine seconds. Okay. Why does everyone hate my ska band? Because it's a fucking ska band. Is this where I revealed to you? Where that? did you get this? It's from uh, this old YouTube channel, Five Second Films. <laughs> Well, oh, so does that predate Vine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? They quit when Vine became a thing. Really? Wow. Um, they were, they're not that great, but there's some that are pretty, like, good kicks, like that one. I love how that was, like, on your brain. It was like, oh, we're talking about Scott, hold up. <laughs> Whenever somebody mentions Scott, that's immediately, <laughs> why is this you like my Scott band? Because it's a Scott band. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Here's where I revealed that, as a kid, I was into Scott. That is a perfectly teenage thing to do. That's true. But, yeah. like... Gotta explore. Exactly. Like, I mean, you know, I like to skank every once in a while, whatever they call it. Um, it is skanking. But it's just like... 
I'm sorry. What? It's the, the, that? It's the dance that you do. It's kind of like a... Yeah, you do little kicks. You kind of, And you move your arms a little bit. Little kicks. Is it the jazz hands, like, sort of, kind of? And the arms are, like, swaying? Like, back and forth, like, forward and backwards? Or am yeah. I thinking of something else? No, 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 you're right. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hmm. That's, like, the only way I knew how to dance for, like, four years. Well, fuck it. I know podcasts aren't a busy media, but Scott, that, that Skype is. Scott up. Scott up? Oh, that's awful. Okay. Oh, no. Demi, can you see me? Excuse me, Demi. What? Oh, are we? Oh, my God. Yes, I can. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you going to skank in my living room? <laughs> oh, my God. Are you going to skank in my living room? Oh, this is terrifying. No, wait. I need, I need full screen. Wait. Give me a second. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is terrifying. Oh, this Please is, be I'm careful. I'm sharing. When did Skype get any of this? That's not what I meant to do. Okay, I don't know how to undo what I did. You don't know how to skank? Is it, it's just like kicking, right? Uh, oh, don't make me have to do it because you don't know how to do it. Well, just instruct me. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> I can't look at the screen when I do this. Hi, no. and I, I need you guys to keep this content. I don't care if nobody else can see. We're keeping the audio. Okay. <laughs> We're the pod. You have to go like, like this. <laughs> oh no this is way more animated than i remember yeah like i i i was under the impression it was way more at least that's what i did i might have went harder than others i went to it like i went okay we're gonna go no video now <laughs> oh no, i was enjoying that <laughs> another time um. But yeah, yeah, like I went to a ska yeah. show once and I tried doing that and they were just like, the guys like, no. I'm like, it's a ska show. That's very odd. <laughs> like, what, what do you think people are going to do? Yeah, I don't know. So uh, I guess it gives levels a lot. Anyway, um, oh. so yeah, so that's skanking. Uh, it, <laughs> it was terrible. You know, it was only a matter of time before I revealed my ska past. It, it was really only a matter of time. Whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. Kid, you gotta, you gotta have, like, I had long, shorter length hair in high school, and I have to go, like, this is the thing I'm gonna look back and regret, and I'm pumped about that. I mean, like, I was, like, I was a, in high school, I was a white kid in high school during the early aughts. What was I gonna do but listen to ska? Like, okay, at least, you, at least you didn't become the, I've never against swing. I have a problem with the people who know the one swing move and know others. And they just keep doing that one move. Hmm. You know, you know the couple I'm talking about. Not like a couple we know, but like a couple you just see and you're like, they know one swing move. Okay. So anyway. Um, but I do like the band. It's just like, that's like, they're all like, that sucked. And I just like, keep smiling. Nobody will be able to tell. <laughs> yeah, no, in the, the, honestly, even though the song is, is horrendous to listen to, it, it is really funny once again, that they're not very good. Like, I really appreciate that this is the thread of downtown Sasquatch is that ultimately they have the same level of skill that every other fucking high school band does, which is not much. Yeah. Um, so once again, there are old men watching eating snow cones and that confused me and made me uncomfortable some old men came to uncomfortable me. you know what made me really uncomfortable when rick shows up to get his mom's car washed yeah he like just shows up and he's like oh i'm here to get my mom's car washed and of course jimmy like tears over he calls him a psycho because it's literally the only word that is ever used within the context of this 
Um, but that was yep. a- that's ableism for you during this era specifically. I, I kind of I want Jimmy to get super like theatrical on him. It's like I'm sorry I can't hear you over the sounds of your sins, Rick. <laughs> Sprays him with the hose in the face. Yeah. But um, Jimmy instead kind of jumps to the the usual like you know you're a psycho get out of here we don't want you here and then like hoses the car on the way out. Um and. Yeah, we kind of talked about this a little earlier. I think, Demi, you you pointed out how kind of out of place this scene was, if I recall. It is really out of place, and maybe it's because, like, in my rewatching, I I've, I'm a few episodes ahead, several episodes ahead, and so mm-hmm. it feels like overkill with this storyline, maybe. But it's just like this scene doesn't have to do, and I guess maybe that that is a way of the for them to make it, you know, sort of. Like, like the episodes aren't so isolated from each other and the the other storylines are still happening in the background and maybe that's what they're trying to show us. But it just seems really out of place because it doesn't really have to do with the B-plot. And it just kind of doesn't... It didn't give us a chance to like sort of ruminate on all the things we're feeling about the complications around the Rick problem because he's being problematic and everyone's acting problematic towards him and I just need a break. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with the B-plot. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I do agree. I feel like in the case of the B-plot, like, we, we mentioned earlier, there's a scene between Ellie and Marco. And I feel like that worked enough that you saw Ellie during the car wash because she's friends with Marco. That's enough of, like, a connection to me that I'm like, oh, okay, that's why, like, they're together. In the case of Rick, you don't even have characters who he has any real connection to in the scene other than animosity. So him showing up, it it just further ramps up the tension. There's not really any payback. And I understand that there is this big setup that they're kind of working on. But there is something yeah. to be said about, like, especially, like, like it's, like, it, it, it does feel unrelenting, especially when the episode before has such an emphasis on it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to think that maybe, like, without giving too many spoilers, but because of, like, who comes into play during the scene or what happens during the scene, it is giving us more setup for things to come. And maybe they sort of had, like, a storyboard for... I don't know if you do that for live action, but they sort of had, like, a storyboard for the season and where it's going, and they wanted to interject more build-up for it. So they went back and put scenes like this into the framework for these earlier episodes for the big thing we're building up to. No, I, I agree. I think um, I think there's something to be said. Which sounds vague, there. but... No, I don't think it's vague, actually. I, I feel as though, especially because we talked about this a bit last season, how they are, they changed up the format a bit and are trying to make this into almost like one cohesive storyline that just kind of goes to different perspectives at times, but everything is kind of still rolling. Which even in this episode, even in this B-plot, we talk about how complicated these situations are and we see how complicated they are on screen because we actually see like Craig feeling weird watching Manny interact with somebody else. We see Spinner having regret interacting with Manny a certain way because of his relationship with Paige. We see him bring up that Paige has owes a debt to him. Like we see these flashes that of pre-existing material and pre-existing canon even within this B-plot which overall is a fairly simplistic brief b-plot so I, I i wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of intent with this where it is a very stressful thing this is like i feel like whenever rick's on screen at literally from the jump re-watching this series it's been really hard because like i see him and it's just like almost like you're instantly activated but there it 
feels that there is probably more intent that we than we give the writers credit for. It, it, like I, I don't know what's coming down the line, but it definitely feels like something's coming down the line. Yeah, that we haven't had a character be this focused on about something happening, and the fact that yeah. the entirety of the focus on him is bullying him and hurting him. Mm -hmm. Something is going to give. I'm not sure yeah. what, but something's going to happen. Well, it's also like one of those things where he's like a long-standing antagonistic force. Where Jay, you know, has his times where he's an asshole. He, we, even though he like sometimes is like annoying and obnoxious or says something really crass like he does in this episode... He does not garner the sense of, like, tension and panic that Rick does, both as characters on in the scene and as viewers. Like, when Jay goes onto a scene, yeah, he might pick up somebody, he might be a bully, but you don't get this sense of tension that everyone gets when Rick enters the room. Yeah. Because, like, from what I've seen so far of Jay, he generally wants to kind of fly under the radar, like, so he can continue stealing. Right. Right, he wants to be able to do <laughs> he wants to be able to do bad shit and like whatever you know it's like a good you the best thief in the world you would never know the name of kind of thing like Jay doesn't want attention brought to him right Rick wants uh -huh. to keep pushing the narrative of I deserve to be forgiven and yeah. people are going to push back at that and because they're high school students Jay is a bully. Yeah, yeah. And Rick is a villain. Yes. 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 100%. I think that's a really good way of just kind of, like, summing it all up. I love yeah. that, actually. Um, so, uh, Manny is thanking Spinner. Um, they're still, like, I think she jams a snow cone on his back, and they're play fighting, and they end up remarkably close to each other. And then Craig takes a picture of them. Uh, like, Spinner kind of, like, pushes her hoodie off. Like, she has, like, a hoodie on over her, like, bikini top. And, like, in the process of their tousling, like, her hoodie just kind of gets, like, removed from her shoulders within the scene. What time of year is this? <laughs> when it's filmed or during the school year? <laughs> like, during the school year, because they're all wearing, like, swimsuits. But we're... We are in episode... It would be six. Well, no. Well... Or five. It's episode five. five. It's episode five. We're still early in the season. They're doing, like, an open house. That usually, like, is like a, you know, that could be, that could be in the middle, in the early part of the year. Don't think about it too much, Frank. <laughs> Canadian September? Canadian October? I don't know. I don't know. So just, just a quick thing. I was planning to go to um, Canada in October, and I saw it was going to rain during the day, and it'd be like below 30 at night. And I was like, mm, I don't really want to drive around on black ice, so I think I'll switch that over to September. Where it's... Below 30 what? Below 30 of what? I'm not going up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been I've been in below 30 Celsius. It's not pleasant in Canada. No, no, no. But Fahrenheit, but still. I figured, but I wanted... I've been in that. It's yeah. not good. So I'm just like, it's still in the, nope. it's in the 60s during the day in September. I feel like this has to be filmed on an incredibly wacky schedule because I feel like 
whenever they have a finale, they're like, yeah, it's the summer, it's a, a summer party. And then, like, they're, like, wearing, like, <laughs> fucking winter jackets. And they're like, I love it. All right, but anyway. <laughs> my, my. Oh, also, the bikinis and the, why, why do we do the car wash thing in high school? Like, why do we have, in real life, why, why do we have young people in bikinis washing the cars of old men? I'm right. actually really creeped out. And right. I've never thought about it until watching this episode three times. Oh, I've, having watched my fair share of teen media, I'm like, yeah, this shit's always weird. It's, it's, I just didn't go to mine. Like, we had one or two during, during my time in high school, and I remember straight up just not going. And honestly, I don't really remember in the school high schools that I've worked at I don't really remember them doing them or if they did they didn't really take off and they just like kind of quietly canceled the event like I want to believe that it's kind of a thing of the past but I know for a fact it was something that happened somewhat frequently when we were in high school and it's fucked up it's real fucked up it's gross right it's because you can't pretend but it's not like, it's a, it's a sexualization thing. You can't pretend it's not. Like, why are these girls in bikinis? Exactly. <laughs> what point does that serve? Exactly. <laughs> like, okay. like, unless you advertise it as, like, park a car wash, and everybody's dressed up in, like, the Eskimo suit from that <laughs> one Halloween episode of Buffy. <laughs> where Allison Hannigan... Is and there'll like, be less turnout. <laughs> Will like, somebody think of the 800 Canadian dollars for the uniforms? <laughs> Someone. Not me. No, not me either. That is a lot of money to make. Um, yeah, what? Yeah, what the hell? In in the early aughts, I don't know Canadian dollars, but that sounds like a lot. That's a lot of money. That's a that's a that's a lot for a school ran organize fundraiser. I was just, I was gonna try to look at a conversion for that, but then I was like eight hundred dollars in Canadian money in two thousand three. Well, like even then, because it's like I I've worked quite a few like school fundraisers and even like a bake sale like you're lucky if you make 75 dollars by the end of that like it's not super lucrative like 800 dollars money conversion or whatever like that is still a lot of money because it's like how much are you paying per ticket it can't be more than five dollars like that's a lot of potential customers unless somebody's generously donating extra money, which some people probably are, but, like, that's still a lot. Okay, wow, so th- this actually worked. Um, 15, it was, <laughs> in 2003, the Canadian dollar, uh, that would equal 1,500, what? That doesn't make any sense. What? No. Oh, my God. Okay, never mind. All right, screw this. It did $2,003 now to Canadian dollars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right, whatever. I, I, my, my main takeaway from the scene is that Craig takes a picture, and I just sat there. I'm like, Craig, you better not. You better not. <laughs> Craig. Like, I, there's been a lot of shit that Craig has done, but this is, like... A fair amount of it's unforgivable, but this would be even more unforgivable. Yeah. No, I don't Because he would, there would be no use of that picture put out of spite. Towards yeah. Manny, uh-huh. and he would hurt Paige and Spinner for nothing. Right, and, and, and like, the, the dynamic that last we checked in with Manny and Craig, though, you know, isn't super great to, like, start going into the spite direction. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a direction that... 
you know, there's a lot of freaking emotion with that. There's a lot of hurt that will happen if, if it goes in that way. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, the last scene that we have of this plot, Manny is at the counter of the dot. Spinner kind of goes over. He, like, bumps his his uh, little um, writing tablet against her, her arm. And... Um, Spinner is just like, hey, like, are you going to order something? And she says that she's not, and she's waiting for Paige. Um, and she kind of blames her behavior yesterday on kind of, like, being caught up in the moment. Um, and that she's pretty clear, like, you know, that can't happen all the time. It can't happen again. And now she's bringing up these concerns. Paige appears, and she's, like, laying it on thick. She's, like, talking about how much, like, how these two, these two of them were, like, instrumental in having this stuff work out. Um, and then she reveals, like, the $800 raised, which is obscene. <laughs> I mean, not, I guess not obscene in the sense that I know uniforms are expensive. Like, I've done budgets for uniforms, and it, it, it costs about that, sometimes more. Um, but, of course, like, you know, she gives compliments about how helpful they were, and <laughs> Manny ends up in the same situation she always fucking ends up in in this series, where... The, the partner hugs the the boy that she has this weird dynamic with, and she just has to watch. Can 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 we? Um, I have a feeling that every time I'm on this on this pod, I'm gonna be the reason it goes much longer. No, but I really have a lot of feelings about the way this part the scene goes because there's so much unspoken stuff which kudos to the child actors for doing very well um but it's like i i paused in my notes for a long time like i started them days ago and this is kind of where i picked up in in terms of this plot Mm -hmm. and i remember saying to myself like did something happen that i missed did they kiss Mm -hmm. because basically they're acknowledging like Everything is awkward. Like, as soon as um, Manny starts speaking, um, she is obviously feeling maybe a bit of shame. Um, like, she she wants to acknowledge that something happened and nothing really did happen. And then as soon as he asks who she's waiting for, she says Paige in a way where it's like, remember? Remember that girlfriend you got? Yeah, right. I'm feeling weird about that. Like, it, there's so much underneath her, the way she says Paige alone. And to me, I was just like, wait, did they kiss and I missed it? And it's like these kids, the the characters are acknowledging that there was this thing between them, and like obviously they were flirting, but most people would pretend nothing really happened because nothing tangible happened, nothing physical happened, mm-hmm. and they're actually sort of acknowledging that there was a thing, which is extremely adult like. It is. A it's- lot of adults wouldn't admit that that, that they had a, a feeling between them, and of course he shirks it off, yeah. and he just like flicks his nose, looks away. Like, oh, I've got tables. And that that in itself was also a very, not the right way to handle it, but a very, like, adult, I don't want to deal with this, I'm escaping the situation sort of way of handling it. It was still yeah. very, like, you're acknowledging that there's a thing there and you guys didn't even do anything. Interesting. I agree. It's it's very fascinating in that sense because it's, like, I, I, I agree with you. I feel like, but also, like, I wonder if it is kind of speaking to Manny by virtue of, like, the amount of, like, just rough shit she's gone through in the past season and a half or so, like, she has this level of emotional intelligence now that is just not quite, like, you know, it's just, it's higher level than a lot of her peers at this point. 
and you know she just kind of is like you know I you know I've been in similar enough situations that I see where this is going to happen um I know that I know when like this type of stuff can get heated and can go too heated and I I really appreciate how she was kind of like hey come back to earth asshole like hello <laughs> but I agree also Spinner just is like his his reaction to it is unfortunately something that I have experienced. I've seen people react in that way where they just fail to or refuse to recognize the emotional implications of what what that day was between the two of them. But I agree, there's an interesting adult aspect to it. And I'm sure some people would argue that it's not when it's more it's you know, one of those scenes that plays out in a way that's more between adult characters and less between child characters but I think it once again goes into that kind of thing where I think that it it is good to have the kid actors go through this because I think it provides a model meanwhile like I feel like if this was like Joey and Caitlin we would be slamming our heads against the walls oh boy like so hard we would be screaming but the fact that it's Manny and Spinner they really are holy shit thank you (laughs) Um, but I feel like because it's Manny and Spinner, there's a little bit more of, like, us just kind of being like, huh, interesting. Like, it it comes off more insightful and less us screaming for an hour because Joey and Caitlin get under our skin so effectively. But, but yeah, so it's... It's an interesting plot in the sense that, once again, I think it broadcasts kind of what has happened to this group of friends over time. Um, And I like it in that sense, because I think that a lot of people give Degrassi an unfair rap in the sense that, like, a lot of shit happens to this concentrated area of kids. And, yeah, okay, yes, obviously. Like, it's an ensemble piece, but, like, it's a large one. You can make the argument that a lot of these kids go through things that it's almost, like, concentrated. Like, that might have been the experience of five of your friends, but it's one kid in the case of Degrassi. However, I do think that what makes me able to kind of process it a little easier and and not have as much grief with it is the fact that a lot of the threads, at least in this current format, carry through. Like, we, we still get the tension in things. Like, I think sometimes things get dropped into Grassy and it sucks, a lot of which are characters that I genuinely would have liked to see more of. But I do like that in moments like this, they show that there is some sort of note-taking happening during the show and during the writing of the show. And that we can kind of get a lot of, like, the feelings have not been fully addressed and we see how that manifests in the way these characters interact with each other. Yeah. 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 We ready to try and tackle the Zay plot? Yeah, I just want to... Oh, one more thing. Yes. Sorry. No, it's okay. I've noticed in certain episodes, because I kind of cut you off before you rehashed what Paige does when she comes up fully, mm-hmm. um, and how awkward it gets. This is so unimportant, but Paige always refers to... Um, to Spinner as BB, and like I swear to God, she's saying BB. Like I think that us ref- like saying shortening baby to BB on the internet came from Paige. I think she started it. Like, <laughs> when she says baby, that's exactly how she says it. She also said that um, she heard that they rocked it, and in my notes, I have no, they didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> not rock it. It's true though. She she really is like, yeah, you guys did great. It's like okay. 
That's because you didn't have social media to <laughs> to confirm your worst fears yet. Okay. I plot. <laughs> All right. You're gonna... All right, so let's finally tackle this A-plot. Um, so this A-plot opens up at Sean's apartment. Ellie and Sean are kind of laid out. There is, like, somebody talking about collecting erasers on the TV. From what I overheard. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, legitimately... It's a TV show interviewing someone named Pearl Pinkton. The eraser connoisseur who's collected many pencil erasers. In my head, I was like, Demi definitely nice has start. this written down. I'm like, Demi definitely made notes. Oh, you this. believe it. Because I was just mm-hmm. like, this is, this is like the detail work that Demi is like great at. The, the, the world building is always something I'm looking at. It's great. It really is. Because, like, Ellie freaks out. She, like, wakes up. She She's like, oh, God, late. What the fuck? Um, and she suggests that Sean turned off the ringer to his phone, insinuating that his, her mother, in some way, shape, or form, would have tried to contact her. But Sean notes that, like, the ringer is on. Her mother never made a call and just kind of assumes, oh, she was drinking. And then that is kind of Sean's way of segueing into inviting Ellie to potentially move in with him. Um, so, you know, then the credits hit, and then we go to the lockers, and Ellie's talking to Ashley, initially about deodorant, which was interesting little little way to kind of, like, jump off of the opening. Um, and then, like, there's this bizarre little exchange where Ellie reveals that, like, men's deodorant gives her a rash. And <laughs> Ashley's like, you wanna know what gives me a rash? That my dad's fucking boyfriend is coming to open house. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Trying to find a good... I'm just kinda like, I was just kinda like, hey, Ash, how's your tolerance? Here's the problem. If she was... If I was thinking about this, because my, my gut reaction was also, you're being homophobic. But there was a part of me that wondered if it was, like, her dad bringing his girlfriend, and she had that type of reaction, would would we be coming down on it as hard? Is this a case of, like, the intention was for her to feel embarrassed by the fact that, like, her father was bringing his new partner in, but because he's gay... It has this awful homophobic undertone, which probably means it should have been scrapped. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have it in my notes um, somewhere. <laughs> definitely <laughs> have it in my notes. So is she like uncomfy because it's a gang thing, or is she just doesn't want the step parent there? Because I mean, that is his, her dad's boyfriend. I don't even think. Oh, wait, no, they're life partners. But uh, either way, nobody wants step parent there at that age. Yeah. Like, where, why are you here? You're not sitting in my education. Right, right. Like, that's what I was thinking, because it's, like, the boyfriend situation, I mean, we know that they've been together for a very long time, if this is the same guy that he mentioned in that episode back in season one, which I think it is. Um, but it is somebody who, you know, I do understand it's somebody who means something to her father, but from the conversations that we had, for many years of Ashley's life, that was just her dad's friend. 
it doesn't sound like he had any active parenting role in Ashley's life. So yeah, why is he kind of listening in to Ashley, Ashley's teachers talking about like what she's doing in school? It really doesn't make that much sense. But I think unfortunately, because of this is a gay, uh, like a gay relationship, there is this undertone that kind of develops, which means that, you know, from a writing perspective, there should have been some sort of clarifying thing where Ashley just fucking said, like, why is this guy who has never, like, never raised me coming into this teacher meeting? Or they could have had Ellie be like, whoa. Right, <laughs> right. And then Ashley gives clarification. Yeah. Yeah. Either of those options would have worked. I'm sure there's other ways that that could have been written, but it did, yeah, I kind of was, like, sitting there, I'm like, Ashley, like, I thought you weren't that bad. <laughs> I think she is in middle ground. She really I, is. I honestly think she probably is like, I accept my father. This is weird, though. <laughs> like, I feel like she has a really weird middle ground. I think that that's where she is in her teenage brain. I agree. There's a pretty good deleted scene in which she and, like, Spinner and Jimmy and I think one, maybe one other person, maybe not, I think it just might be just the three of them are talking about if Marco is gay. I think it might have been Terry. Might have been Terry. But, like, they're talking about if Marco might be gay and, like, they're talking about, like, Marco giving off gay vibes and Spinner says something homophobic and Ashley says something to the effect of, like, well, what if my father was here? And I feel like that kind of speaks to her middle ground in the sense that, like, she's, like, you should not be homophobic because what if there's a gay person in earshot as opposed to, like, you should not be homophobic because that's shitty. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the one where, like, we all, we both were like, yeah, Jimmy comes out the best out of that. He does come out the best out of it. Because um, Jimmy's just like, yeah, I get a gay vibe from him, but who gives a fuck? Yeah, like, he's very much just like, yeah, okay, and. Um, but I do think that kind of also gave indication that this kind of middle ground that she has, especially because, like, the last time we've really touched base with this whole entire situation, she was a bit younger. So I feel like now we're getting a better read on where she stands on this topic and how... She isn't perfect, and it sucks, but it is a very real thing, especially in this era where you have, like, I like gay people, here are my 8,000 stipulations for how I like gay people. Honestly, <laughs> that's still contemporary. But, um... So, so then Ellie says, imagine the rash I got when Sean asked me to move in this morning. Right. Um, and Ashley is just like, well, you gotta say no, like... Duh. Um, and Ellie's just like, well, I don't know. Like, my mom's not doing well. Um, and Ashley, I do appreciate this about Ashley because I feel like this is a constant thread with her that I hate about her, but I also understand why she does it, where she's like, you're going to give your mom a heart attack if you move out, as opposed to looking at it as Ellie's mother is creating a toxic, abusive environment for her. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, she she, complete, she completely glosses over the, my mom isn't doing so well, it's pretty bad with, and how Sean, and the um, transcript says, Ellie smiles and nods, and then this line, was it good enough to risk giving your mom a heart attack? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm just like, have, what, I don't know if they're having sex or not, but if they are, that's none of your goddamn business, Ashley. I mean, there's none of your, it's none of your goddamn business, but also, like, it, it sounds to me, based on that line that Ellie gives, she's privy enough to the information that Ellie doesn't have a great life, great home life. And also, she, she knows Craig's shit, but we've seen her not be able to handle that information either. Like, we've seen her be like, you should forgive your father. 
even mm-hmm. though he was the person who abused you for literally years. Like, and, yeah. and it feels like a similar road of, like, you're going to make your mother worried, your mother's going to be upset with you, as opposed to saying, hey, I know you, you are in a situation that you need to be somewhere safe. So, it, it's, it's a thread that really frustrates me about Ashley's character, but I do appreciate that from a writing perspective, it is something that has reoccurred periodically in the storytelling. We have seen it time and time again with her, and we will probably continue to see it, because this has legitimately been, like, the fourth or fifth time off the top of my head that we have had this tension get built up. Yeah. Um, so, we move on to the library. Ellie is at, um, Ellie is talking to Sean as he's working on a project. And, like... Can we talk about their outfits really quickly? Yes, please. Please? Please. Okay, thanks. Uh Ellie is wearing a long sleeve black shirt um, with some studs somewhere on it, some silver yes. like studs and buttons and things. Yes. Her sleeves have patent leather red patches on them on one side, and um, I think red cat faces on the other sleeve. Yes. Um, Sean <laughs> is wearing his second ensemble from the Slim Shady collection of this episode, <laughs> all of which feature a T-shirt with cut off sleeves. The first one was white. This one is navy blue. Stay tuned for the third. <laughs> Do we think that her shirt was an Emily the Strange shirt? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, if it's a black with a red cat, like, that has to be Emily the Strange. Speaking of which... I don't know what that is. It was, like, a Hot Topic <laughs> rant. Oh, I remember Hot Topic. Wait. Okay. Speaking of parent-teacher conferences, who goes to Sean's parent-teacher conference? Is it just him? Yeah, I guess who goes anymore? Snake's not going anymore. It's like Sean being like, "Yeah, what?" Snake's like, "Where the fuck's your project?" <laughs> I don't have to be nice to you because you don't have any parents here. It's just like he just constantly switches in and out of the turtle neck. Stop! He just like goes like he like sits from like side to side on the chair. And he like twists. <laughs> he's cut in half so it's half tank top half turtleneck like a fucking subway series look and then he comes in with like a, a, a lace front blonde um, cornrow wig cap to be tracker yes yeah perfect absolutely and like everyone's just kind of like all the teachers are just like I don't know what to do about this performance art I, I, I don't know how to tell these kids to stop <laughs> No, it's Toby, Craig, and Spinner in a trench coat. No! <laughs> and, and, and Snake's just like, I teach you. And I'll just open this button and you, and this button and you. <laughs> and it's all stage directed by our once head canon bisexual Sean. Yes. <laughs> Has oh. a flair for the theater. You're 11 God. feet tall. <laughs> and why is Toby in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> He has the least upper body strength of all of you. He's like, yeah, you're right. He's like struggling. He's like, no, I can wrestle. I can wrestle. I can hold you, I swear. I was on the wrestling team once. Once upon a time. Um, Maybe you heard of that episode. But anyway, we're skipping over just how wonderful the scene is. It's true. Yeah, sorry. It's true. It's, um... So they're talking, um, Ellie reveals that she's worried about leaving home, mostly because of this, this fear about her father. She points out that her father is coming back in six months, um, and because he's on military leave, she, uh, in, 
I forget what the terms are. Fuck. She, he's in a war. Um, he's in the Middle East, Sean. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this happened he's last He's deployed. Time. He's deployed. That's the word. I couldn't fucking think of it. Fuck. I just, I feel like whatever military stuff happens, I show off the fact that I was a social studies teacher who knew nothing about military history. Anyway. Never mind. It's okay. Anyway, he's deployed. That was always the most boring parts of history to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, he's deployed. Um, and she is worried about potentially getting a call that he's injured or anything like that. And her mother is so incapacitated that she is not able to take the phone. So, her concern, or at least what she's telling Sean, is based around this whole entire thing. Um... And Sean is really upset about this, and probably one of the more devastating lines in this episode is when he says, like, hey, like, move in with some, like, you know, he wants her to move in with someone who loves her. And it's rough. It's hard. And and there's, like, a lot of layers going on on this one. On one hand, that's kind of a shitty thing to say to somebody. On the other hand, I do understand where Sean is coming from, because Sean has also had a bad experience with an alcoholic parent. Um, so he's, there's this, like, shared experience, but Sean failing to recognize that just because you have a shared experience doesn't mean that you don't experience and process your trauma at a different rate. Where Sean has been, you know, so emotionally distant and divorced from his parents, he's been able to live on his own, he's been able to kind of say, fuck off track or whatever, I'm gonna do this. Ellie is not at that point. And quite frankly, Ellie and Sean have very different personality types. And we've seen Ellie time and time again try to, like, make herself smaller and take up less space. And try to, like, do what she can to keep a status quo of sorts. Hence the self-harm and things like that. But with Sean, we've seen him time and time again explode. Whether it's through violence or through emotional outburst or just, like, you know, some sort of emotional response of some kind... He he's just has a very different way of processing what he has been through, even if they do have common ground in it. I think he's also looking a little bit to uh, create his own family. Like he's yeah. got a he's experiencing a familyless familylessness <laughs> because Tracker's gone. He's already relocated in terms of not living with his parents, or at least had to sort of rebuild the home with Tracker before Tracker left. And he's like, "This is what we do. Our parents fail us." And then we we say, fuck that, and we start our own house. And, I mean, you clearly need to do that, too, because that's what I did. And his way of expressing concern for her is to straight up, like, talk trash about her mother. And it's not even necessarily undeserved, but it's just, like, that's the only way he knows how to say, I care about you, is by this person's trash because they're failing you. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say how, however, like, whatever I want, however I feel about it and also she doesn't even love you i love you this is what we do we start our own home let's do it yeah yeah no i agree it's it's a strange not strangely because i think that this is where the degrassi writers really shine i think when it comes to abuse narratives this is actually the strengths of these writers i think time and time again they've been able to show fairly nuanced takes on it and I think this is just another example of like that very complicated feeling especially when you are in the process of still you're still trying to process your trauma and a lot of the time you don't necessarily have a professional to guide you or an adult to guide you through it we see them kind of look at things like i think sean 
is, I don't want to say Sean is a simple person, because I don't think that's necessarily true, but I think, like, he likes to reduce emotional things to a pretty simple terms. Like, this sucks, this option does not suck as much, you should go with this option. I think the difference between, there's a difference between simple and stupid. Yeah. Sean is, I've actually used it to describe my dad a fair amount. Like, my dad does look at things in simple terms of just, like, what is wrong is wrong, what is right is right. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's highly intelligent. Like, you know, he's a lot better in math than I am. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, and I think that's the way Sean is. Like, Sean sees certain things as, like, the way Ellie's mom treats her is wrong. And I'm not going to give up on that because it is wrong. Yeah. And he, when his temper or the stress gets ahead of him, he does bad things. Yeah. Or at least he did. I feel like he's getting better. It's true. I I, I feel like after the parties, we've seen a definite, like after the um, party that nearly cost that one girl her life, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was probably a big shifting point for Sean. (laughs) Like, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah. Like, like, this isn't as simple as Tracker getting, like, a talking to by the police for me stealing a laptop. Yeah. I'm going to go, like, have to be forced back home. I'm going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Shit's going to go wrong. And it is two different responses to survive- abuse survivors. Like, I feel like Sean has such, like, a black and white take on it. And Ellie, I think Ellie constantly, in every situation, sees things from a more gray perspective or tries to suggest other perspectives in the process of her making her argument. So you just kind of have these differing of opinions, and you can understand both very clearly. I think the difference is probably that when Sean's mom drank, because I think there's a definite subtext that that's what happened. Yeah, there's a real, there's a lot of subtext with what Sean's been through. It's very interesting how it's not very explicit. I think when Sean's mom... Mm -hmm. I think when, mom, when Sean's mom drank, she probably got angry with him. She probably yelled at him. I, don't, I wouldn't say she probably hit him, but... It wasn't good. Yeah, it was not great. Ellie is much more an enabler in that she is cleaning up constantly after her mother. Mm-hmm. Her mom is shitty, but, like, is more just drinking to oblivion. Yeah. As opposed to, like, drinking and becoming mean. Yeah. So... I think that's why, for Sean, like, he can't differentiate between the two. It's like, like, or he, he sees his mom as, as what Ellie's mom will become, and he wants to get her out of there before that. Exactly. Um, so, she says that she can't move in with him, and he kind of leaves in a huff. He, like, puts himself down in the process. He's like, well, I'm done. Like, who cares about auto shop anyway? And just kind of, like, storms off. Sean, don't get down on auto shop. Stay in auto shop forever. Right, you'll like, never, please do. You'll never be poor. Right. Um, and then we go into the hallway, and Ellie is using a rubber band again, which we've seen before as kind of like a as a alternative to some of her other methods of self-harm. Um, and you can kind of figure out what's going on. It's the open house that Ashley mentioned earlier. She's waiting for her mom to show up. Um, we have a little uh, transition scene in which Armstrong is talking to Spike about Emma and how she's doing in math. Um, and then we kind of move on to Ellie's mom talking to Snake. Um, and Ellie's mom is a mess. She she is a big old mess. 
I, I would have loved a like Miss uh, Mrs. Sauve meets Ellie's mom, and just like in her head, you can just see like a lot of things are becoming clear now. Right, like oh, that's what's happening. <laughs> Fuck, I don't. Miss Sauve, like being a social worker in this school, like bless her heart. Right, <laughs> like bless her whole heart. Right, like. It's just, like, especially because it's one, because it's, like, I, I actually worked at a high school where they had, um, they had, like, a thing called the Teen Center, and they had about, like, four or five psychologists that would provide free counseling to kids. But, like, that was still, like, five, and it was still a small school. Like, I can't imagine working at a place like Degrassi, and it's like, wait, what now? Oh, that happened. Okay. But, like, I feel like Radish must just, like, look over the budget and... You know, it's just, like, more teachers, okay, wipe that from the budget. Um, like, the <laughs> the dozen filing cabinets Sylvain needs in her, like, back room, like, always approve that, because there's just one that's just marked, like, Craig. Like, one that's just marked Paige, one that's just marked Manny, and then just, like, three that are just, like, com- complaints against JT. Right. <laughs> Jesus. It's like that episode of The Office where, like, m- they go over uh, conflict resolution and Toby's just like, she pulls out, like, an accordion thing, accordion file, and she's like, this is, like, and it's packed to the gills, like, this is January, fe- February of this year. Oh my god. Um, so anyway, um, I did enjoy the little scene with the Nelsons. Yeah, that was cute. Uh, I agree. Because it also did kind of remind me of, like, it gave me a, remi- it gave me a reminder of the old Spike-Emma dynamic, where Spike's like, oh, I can't, like, they're talking to Armstrong, so they're talking math, and, like, Armstrong's like, yeah, polynomials can be tricky. And mm-hmm. Spike refers to math and her as mortal en- enemies, <laughs> to which Emma's like, no, you balance your books at the um, salon all the time. And it just reminded me of, like, that old dynamic of them against the world and them building each other up. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, part of me kind of missed that. Yeah, no, it was really nice. And then we have this amazing bit of acting from, um, from uh, Snake when he's dealing with Mrs. Nash. Well, because, like, her, her, like, she's, like, talking and she's just as, like, oh, like, you know, it seems like Ellie's always doing work at Sean's and he's, like, trying... He's, like, he knows what's kind of what's going on. And, like, this type of situation is, like, probably one of the worst situations to be in as a teacher where you can kind of see that there is something wrong happening, but you don't have enough evidence to report it. But you have a feeling. And you can kind of tell where he's, like, well, yeah, it's, like, you know, a really intensive course. Like, you know, oh, like, there's a lot of work. And then she's, like, it seems like you do a lot of pair work, and that is where snakes should have lied. And instead he's, like, well, I mean, we have a lot of individual work. And I was, like, no, dude, you're supposed to be, like, yeah, sure, of course, of course. We got paired work all the fucking time. Or he could have been, like, the kids are allowed to work together if they so choose. And then you're not lying. Yes, that's real. that would be perfect. Okay. Save I, her skin. I have a scene that I would have fucking loved to see mm. in this episode. Um, like, uh, Sean is repairing Snake's car. Ooh, yeah. On the weekend. And, like, Snake comes out, like, to give him a drink or whatever. And he's just like, so, Mrs. Nash. Right. <laughs> 
what do you think, Sean? And Sean's just like, uh. <laughs> that, that would have been interesting. And just being, and just like, oh my god, like, and they like sit down and they have a talk like they, like. Like they used to? Yeah, and Aww. he's just like, look man, I don't know what to do. And he's just like, Snake gives him like, the best advice he can in the moment, and he's like, if things get worse, you come talk to me, okay? Yeah, like, I'll make the fucking call. I have to. I'm a mandated reporter. Yeah. And then, um... Guys? Yes? How... This is... Uh, this is so late. But how did I just realize... I forgot... I forgot that the Nelson household now included Sake. And so... I just realized that that scene of them talking about polynomials is just a family conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, boy. What, what if the, like, Ellie, Sean um, household becomes a thing, and and next year, like, Ellie and Sean become the, like, parent-teacher conference for each other? Oh, my God. Ellie goes for Sean. Sean goes for Ellie's. Sean's doing well. Oh, it's like... <laughs> He's attending class, it sounds like. It's like, okay. Um, but anyway, as as this is happening, Ellie's mom is a fucking mess. She kind of scrutinizes the projects or, you know, the potential work that they're doing. Um, and then at one point is, like, Miss, Miss, like, labels Snake's name. And then when he confirms it's Simpson, she says, like, the cartoon and thinks it's hysterical. <laughs> And Snake puts on the best fucking face. Well, it's really good because, like, he makes a face. And, like, Ellie, like, as, like, the mom zooming off, Ellie just gives him a look. And he just kind of, like, reciprocates it. <laughs> oh, and because they mentioned The Simpsons, I can bring this up because it's, it's somewhat relevant. It's like, wait a minute. Bart's teacher's name is Krabappel? Oh, I've been calling her Crandall the whole time. I've been making an ass of myself. <laughs> There's... There's this very good, like, non-verbal aspect to this episode. I feel like we kind of picked it up in the B-plot, but I think it especially shines in the A-plot, where Ellie and Sean, in particular, are doing a lot of non-verbal conversation while there's <laughs> verbal conversation happening, and it feels very real. Yeah. Um, and then we get to the worst scene in this episode. Yeah, like, Ellie's like, oh, hey, here's Ashley. You know, Ashley, here's her dad, here's his boyfriend. Um, and it's just, like, typical nonsense of her talking about, like, how she needs a man, how, like, her husband is deployed, and how, like, you know, they, as gay people, can, like, redecorate the enemy. It's not cute. <laughs> the thing is about it is, like... I love that you're skating over this, because it's so annoying, so we just... It's... It's, it's like, right over. she's bad enough. Like, she does not need to be homophobic on top of it. Like, she's already ignorant. Like, we already got to read that she was ignorant as she, like, was told the last name of a human being and she just kind of snorted and made a media reference. Like, I feel like that's more than enough to know that she's an asshole. To add the homophobia on top of it just kind of feels like overkill, quite frankly. I mean, is it, is it the homophobia of the time period? Absolutely. Did people make those comments all the fucking time? I know they did. But also, like, we already knew she was bad for Ellie for many different reasons, and I don't know how much that really needed to happen. Yeah. 
They only bring her dad in. They only bring Ashley's dad in for this kind of stuff, I feel like. I could be yeah. wrong. It's like, when do we see her dad? And it's like, they're bonding. He gets <laughs> married. He's like, oh, something else is going to happen. He does get married. Uh, yeah, he does. Spoilers, but that is like a plot in this. I mean. <laughs> Sorry. I, but like, but other than that, it does kind of feel like he's just kind of like a voice, voice vocal, like, like a vocalization of like this type of issue. And it's, it's odd because it's like, okay, Marco is able to have plots and exist in which he's not explicitly, like, dealing with homophobia, but also, like, what, what is kind of, like, what are you saying about, like, being an old gay person? Like, it's just your life's misery. <laughs> Guess what? It sucks. It, it's, it's kind of odd because it's like we don't have, and I don't necessarily expect Degrassi to have LGBTQ elders, Mm-hmm. Even though I would love to see it, and I think that even during this time period, I had a gay English teacher that, like, I followed constantly and, like, you know, knew he was gay and had a mentorship situation because of it. You know, I understand why they weren't, like, okay, we're, we're you know, I understand why they didn't make, like, a gay teacher or anything like that, but it, it is kind of insulting to have like this older gay adult who is a father you know has an interesting and fairly like dynamic relationship with his ex-wife and everything and yet he only appears for moments like this so guess what kids like this people will be shitty no matter what age you get right right like even if you find a long-term relationship you find somebody that you love you're having a good time you you have a good life with your blended family Ultimately, things still suck. Yeah. A message of hope from Degrassi. Right, which Degrassi's so good at. Um, so that whole entire thing happens. Um, Ellie kind of tries to drag her away, and as they, as she's trying to drag her, they spot Sean. Um, and her mom is, like, having a conversation, a verbal conversation... And as they're doing that, Sean and Ellie are kind of trying to, like, have a conversation non-verbally. Like, Sean's kind of, like, pointing at his head and stuff. Ellie's kind of just making, like, faces and kind of shaking her head while they're talking at each other. And as Ellie's mom starts off kind of, like, just asking about um, his poster and stuff and then accelerating it about scrutinizing their relationship and the fact that Ellie is spending so much time with Sean. Um, and Mrs. Nash says, your parents are not here to see this fine automotive display. To which Sean applies, I'm alone, I live alone. And this is kind of the point where you realize, oh, Mrs. Nash is not just a bad parent, she's a super shitty parent. Yep. Because any parent worth their salt would be like, what do you mean you live alone? Like, children don't do that. Like, what has gone so terribly wrong? I must fix this. Right. It's true, though. And she was jealous. It was weird. Like, she was like, oh, this is where Ellie is all the time, as if, like, she needs Ellie around all the time. Instead of what, like, a lot of, besides caring about Sean having to live alone, she didn't even jump to, like, you're alone with my kid, and you guys have hormones that are raging. Are you having the sex? She was just like, oh, she's with you all the time, instead of at home with me. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. it's it's no actual concerns that matter. I, if if it wasn't against the uh, 
the iTunes guidelines, I would totally name subtitle this episode, Are You Having the Sex? Right. <laughs> right. Which honestly is a running theme through this episode. It, it is. There's this... Yeah, there's this, like, beat that happens in all of these scenes that kind of dilutes to that. Like, everybody else caring about whether or not Sean and Ellie having sex, and the two of them really not having any... Like, they're just kind of like, whatever. Like, Ellie doesn't want to, Sean's not pushing her, that's it. it. It's like... A, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> it's it's a fairly... I feel like what I like about this ship is... I, I, I remember liking it as a kid, and, and I still think I like it. I have to kind of see it through before I make my official take on it. But I feel like these are two very complicated kids, but the things that would usually be seen as very complicated in a relationship, they don't see it as such. For example, like, that type of stuff. It's just, like, understood that that's not happening right now. And there's no, like, badgering on Sean's end or crying about it on Sean's end. It's just, this is not happening and that's fine. And it's like, you know, like, Ellie self-harms, but now she is not doing it. That's fine. Like, there's, like, a lot of things that are just taken at face value between the two of them, which I actually quite appreciate. Yeah. Um, and Sean says, I care about your daughter, okay? And she's like, not okay, and drags Ellie away. Yeah. So the next scene we have with this plot is like... Actually, now looking at it in transcript form, Mm -hmm. Jimmy says, speaking of smoking hot, and then we cut to... Awful! Oh, that's (laughs) terrible! Oh, ooh. We cut to... Ellie in her room, and the smoke alarm is going off. Um, oh. Yeah, speaking of smoking hot, the Nash household is currently on oh. fire. No. Also, I had the same exact du- duvet cover that she has in this scene. Oh my gosh. At, like, I want to say age 12 or so. I recognize it. I know it's exactly it, and, like, I'm 100% sure. Oh my gosh. like, whoa. The early aughts. Right. Like, well, what I found interesting about this scene in particular was when she opens up the door and there's, like, just, like, a wall of smoke there, as a kid, I was like, oh, shit, the stakes are, like, real in the show. Like, Uh like, it felt like, oh, fuck, like, at the time when I was watching it, I wasn't 100% certain if she was gonna make it. I wasn't 100% certain what was gonna happen if she kept moving forward in the smoke. And, like, I feel like that's an interesting hook to kind of have in a show, but I think it's what teenagers need, mm-hmm. is kind of that, like, feeling that these, these the potential for these characters to lose something, whether it's a home, a life, or whatever, like, I feel like that sometimes is what teenagers need, and they, like, kind of, and it's a very interesting way to be engaged in it. And I just remember, I do remember being a kid and watching that moment happen and being like, oh, shit, what's she gonna do? Um, and she just kind of walks into the smoke, um, and she is, um, she kind of looks around and finds her mom laid out kind of at the kitchen table, and there is a fire on the stovetop, like a pan, a pot seems to have, like, just fire coming out of it, um, and she just kind of tries to grab it and toss it into the sink, but in the process she burns herself and it catches on the curtain, surrounding the sink um and ellie just kind of through 
going through a burn, then tries to, like, cart her mother out of the house, which is fucking rough. Once again, the stakes are up. Like, that, even that alone, like, okay, she's getting out of it, she's surviving it, she still has to cart her alcoholic mother out of the fucking house. There, and the house is damaged. There, There is, like, a kind of a short bit where she... She moves the, she tries to move the flaming pot of water, or pot of something, Mm -hmm. into the sink, and instead it just catches the curtains on fire, and that, like, she burns her hands, and she just kind of stops and stares at the burning curtains, and I feel like there's such a, there's a moment of, like, well, I tried. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, it's true, though. It's like, well, fuck. Like, now I have a second degree burn. And the curtains are on fire. Um, Fuck. And she just spent a moment looking between her mom, like, the door and the fire, trying to, like, decision-make, and she grabs her mom and leaves. Cut to the um, hospital. Mm-hmm. Her mom's, like, putting back on clothes and making note about how much smoke she inhaled. And Ellie is sitting there. She has a bandage around her wrist where she uh, touched the pot. And her mom is just kind of like, she just kind of tells her, like, you know, I'm not proud that this happened. She pulls a real Rick. Yeah. She doesn't say, I'm sorry. No. No, she doesn't apologize for what has happened. It's just like, I'm not proud that this happened. I'm fucking embarrassed that I fucked up like this. But, like, she, she, never, like, there's not really any acknowledgement of the fact that, you know, she is dealing with addiction. There's not really any discussion of, like, you know, how her actions have consequences. It's just basically this comes off, like, a big old embarrassment, and now they have to go to Elaine's house in Fergus, which I do not know relative to the area, how far that is. Um, it appears that Frank is looking it up. Um, she also tells Ellie not to make it harder for her, I yes. guess, with guilt. And it's like... <laughs> You don't even you don't even apologize to take accountability, <laughs> and right. then you tell her not to make it harder for you. How hard is it for you right now? Right, right. It's it's one. Of we the, don't know. It's one of those things where it's like she she. It's an hour. It's an hour. Yeah, like that would be a bit of an undertaking. Oh, that's wild. Like to that's go to, not. This is not. This is not New York City where the kids are traveling to their specialized high school right. in the city from the Bronx for good reason. Right. And need to take a train. Like, I mean, nobody traveling an hour to school. Exactly. It's not like my kids who are making those treks into Manhattan every day. Like, it's it's just not, like, and especially because the mom also establishes that, like, she would have to drive Ellie into the city every fucking day. Like, it's not even like there's a school bus that's gonna go out there. Yeah. It it's a big old strain. Um, so Ellie then takes this as a way out and says that she's going to just crash at Ashley's. Um, and mom looks kind of suspicious, but she still says, yeah, because to her, that kind of prevents her from having to pick up Ellie to and from school. So I think it's just kind of one of those things where she just pushes through because it's an opportunity. And the next scene we have Sean at Sean's place and Ellie comes over and is like, Hey, like, that offer you made, is it still good? Because I need you. <laughs> I am currently without a home. Uh, my house is on fire. How's it going? Um. Uh, also, her mother was like, we'll stay at Elaine's until our place is ready. And I just, 
only a couple of hours really could have passed, I guess. And I'm like, how how do you know how much damage there is or isn't? When did you yeah. have time to assess? What are you talking about your place being ready? Your house may not even exist anymore. I'm very confused as to how you know how long this may be. Honestly, it's very possible, like, with how some fires go. Like, that fire was not done burning by the time they were coming out of the hospital. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Sean, um, uh, picks up a CD case and opens it saying, oh, looks like my CD collection just doubled and it has her cutting supplies in it. Right. And... As well as her rubber bands. Yeah. Just all together. Like, preventatives and full-blown self-harm. Yeah. All in the same case. It's, yeah, and, like, Sean is kind of inquiring if, like, she has relapsed, um, and she just is like, no, I just wanted out of the house, like, I would tell you if I did, like, I don't joke about this, and, and I do appreciate the tension in this, because I think that this happens often with partners, and somebody is self-harming in the sense that it's, like, I feel like it's a partner who's not self-harming. It's like, you're either doing it or you're not. And if you're not telling me that you're doing it, then I'm going to be pissed off. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's a very difficult line, delicate line to kind of to, to struggle with. And I, I don't think there's really an answer. I think that Degrassi kind of... I think Degrassi has really been able to kind of nail this tension. I think very little media really gets it quite right. But I think this one does in the sense that Sean is like very much like, you said you were done... I expect you to be done. Why mm. is this here? And it's not necessarily saying that that's the right questions to give, but they feel like the questions that you, you almost expect somebody if they are on if they are the person not self-harming to ask. Well, we've said this before about Sean. Sean wants to do his best, but he doesn't know how to. Yeah. Especially with this. Yeah. Um, and then Sean kind of... Those questions are plausible for a kid who doesn't know um, exactly how to be that helpful or how to address it because to him it looks like she's definitely hiding the thing and still doing the thing yeah because like it's a carefully it's got carefully cut out sections of the cd case in which there's iodine q-tips gauze and little metal scrapey thingies i've called i know i've seen these things before and they're usually used for like pimple popping and the other day i referred to them as a lance and i was like Apparently that's not correct, and I think I've confused what a lance is, but you know what I mean, the pointy little metal thing. He's just like, oh, so you're hiding the thing, you're still doing the thing. Yeah, and and in the case of them, like, they are not, they're not intimate, so it's not even a case of, like, Sean being like, I've seen, like, your body in that way. Uh-huh. So, so it kind of ramps up the anxiety with it, because it, you know, he just, he doesn't know. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing most of the time, but in this context, he does not even have that physical evidence, for lack of better terms, to confirm if, you know, if, if she's telling the truth. Yeah. Um, and then Sean's just like, I've cleared a drawer for you, some space in the closet, some space in the medicine cabinet, and I'm just like, oh, I missed this, Sean. He also just, like, gives up his bed. Yeah. He's just like, whatever, like, you, you, yeah. it was really sweet. And... And she, like, she wanted to awkwardly talk about it, and he's just like, I'll just sleep right here, it's cool. Yeah. Like, I really, once again, it's like, everyone else cares about Sean and Ellie having sex, but Sean and Ellie... (laughs) This did play into one of my favorite moments from Cold Mountain, 
Um, I've, I feel like this podcast has had a lot of Cold Mountain references for, <laughs> for a Degrassi podcast. Hang out with me long enough, you'll know the entire story and probably about 50% of the words. <laughs> um, but, like, Inman finds a war widow and, like, in his travels, and she feeds him and whatnot, and he, like, he's like, I'll sleep in the corn crib. And then she's just like, could you come back in the house? And she's like, could you lie in bed with me? We not, we're not going to do anything else, just, like, lie in the same bed as me. And, like, the book talks about just, like, this wanting just to feel next to something alive and real. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I want. I always want in scenes like this. Yeah. Of people just being like, we don't have to have sex to be... To feel intimate and close to each other. We can just lie here and hold on to each other through, like, through the cold. So. Yeah. Um. So, next scene is between Marco and Ellie. Yeah, so Marco's kind of checking in on Ellie, but, like, he's really focused on smoke inhalation. (laughs) Um, and then asks about her mom, and then asks about showering at Sean's, um, and, like, is, like, are you, are you showering with him? And she's, like, no, like, what the fuck? Um, and then he's, like, well, like, we should have a party because, like, you're happy. I I wonder if Sean saw, like, saw the thing that I've, I've seen of the, like, the girl, um, head... Hair, head hair towel thing, which I only found out about two years ago that hair is in there. Yes. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Huh. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? What happened? Like, wrapping your hair with a towel. Yeah. Frank thought that, like, your like, hair is not actually... Like, out of the shower? Yeah. yeah. What... Frank, what'd you think the towel was for? <laughs> <laughs> just, like, drying hair, but I didn't, like, I thought, like, okay, so you just kind of pulled your hair in the middle of it and just plopped the whole thing down. I didn't know it was twisted in the towel. Okay. Alright. But, like, I feel like I've, I I have a sister, so I've seen that plenty of times, but I was like, okay, and I, I wasn't an asshole, so I'm not like, going to grab it off her head, because I read a Tumblr post where somebody grabbed one of those... And his sister started screaming. Yeah, rightfully so. And I was just like, what the fuck? And and then people were like, wait, the hair's in the towel? I was like, the hair's in the towel? Oh my god, Frank. (laughs) Nobody explained that to me. (laughs) I don't know. I guess I never thought to have to. (laughs) So. You said you had long hair in high school. Yeah. Right, what did I did not take care of it. Okay. (laughs) Like, it went sausage and like feather out and Susie called me Miss Fawcett Lee Majors because it was Farrah Fawcett hair. I didn't add any product to it. Oh, that's pretty cool though. I just had Farrah Fawcett hair. Let's see. We're back on track. We're back in the game. We like a Fawcett flip. We do. Um, It's true. uh, Marco calls Sean Papa Sean. He does. He does call him Papa Sean. (laughs) Which is so fucking weird. Marco, stop being a freak. <laughs> um, cut to 
the party. Yeah, so they have a party. Um, there's a really funny little back and forth between Ashley and Marco because there's a banner, and Ashley's like, "What the fuck is this banner?" And Marco's just like, "It's the curse of being like a printer's son," which was really. And what funny. he really meant was, "I'm gay. I decorate." Right. Have we gone over this. Right. We love a theme. So, like, what do you want me to do here? Here it is. Like, also, if I had access to, like, making a banner with less than, like, 24 hours notice, like, at the drop of a hat, I would use it all the fucking time. <laughs> Look at Banner, Michael. Right, it's just, like, BoJack Horseman-esque gags for, like, my entire life making these banners. There it is. Oh, 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 Frank's hair. Oh, you gotta show to me, though. Sorry. Them's the rules. It's true. This is going to be fun trying to figure out how to show you something on my phone. <laughs> Wait, just, it's focused. Let the aperture adjust. Hold one second. It's, it's going to work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You never put that on the towel. No. You could have. Yeah, I could have. I didn't know just how. Just all over the place. <laughs> I was just like, I want hair that if, like, I ever have kids, they see my yearbook, they're like, what the fuck is this? I was like, it was 2004, you had to be there, man. He's like, nobody else has hair like that. <laughs> anyway, um... That, that is some far-ahead thinking. I did not have that sort of foresight as Neither did <laughs> in I. those years of my life. No, me either. Um, and also, I like that the fact that this party is also much more low-key than the other ones. Yeah, nobody's, like, dying. Yeah, pretty big. It's just step like up. yeah, but Amy's not there. Amy's so. not there. Neither are the boys from Montreal. That's true. Jay's boys from Montreal. <laughs> They're like Jay's like they just couldn't make the five hour trip down here. Right, right. So like the vibe of it is a little more low key. <laughs> they had swing choir. <laughs> but um, so you know we have kind of a division we have like kind of like the ellie marco ashley contingent we have the jay and sean contingent um and of course the jay and sean one is a bit rough um sean's talking about how ellie's going to be leaving home like going back home soon and jay like makes a really crass comment about about so, i'm sorry like I, I that line merits discussion but Wait. i like um, Alex's line so much more. Oh my god, Sean. Alex's housewarming line. What a pun. What, whatever, wow. she'll go back in a few days. Maybe this time her mom will burn down the whole place. Alex, now that would be a housewarming. Fuck, Alex! <laughs> That's my girl. Alex! Um, <laughs> so, um, Jay says, so it's actually a bon voyage. See you later. Thanks for all the sex party. Yeah. And Ellie gets, um, Ellie overhears this, and it's just not very happy. Sean immediately's just like, he should not have said that. Yeah. And Ellie's like, it's not about that, it's about she does not want to go home. And speaking of which, home comes here. Yeah. So, <laughs> Ellie's mom comes in, um, she reveals, cause, cause, uh, she, I guess, well, she followed up with, um, Ashley's mom. I guess Ellie didn't think to follow up with Ashley to, like, cover for her. Yeah, Ashley, like, what the fuck are you doing? Mama Kerwin would have, like, been Mama like... Mama Kerwin would have taken the fall. Yeah, Mama Kerwin would have been like, oh yeah, she's just up here. Here, uh, Ellie, let me get you. And it's like, it's 
Toby like maneuvering a cardboard cutout like out of the room. Oh, not again. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though like Mama Kerwin would have taken the fall for Ellie on this one like I really don't understand why there was not a heads up oh cause it was plot that's why but like I feel like we could have been I, I feel like the cover up could have been someone else but but it, it doesn't work out um whatever it is it doesn't work out and um Ellie is um Ellie finds herself in a very dramatic situation um, and when Sean tries to confront her mother, her mother then slaps him in the face. Okay, but what I love about the way Sean delivers this line is he steps up to the steps to Mrs. Nash and just goes... Basically, I feel like he's just like, I'm gonna do, act like an adult. And he says, Mrs. Nash, it's better if Ellie stays here and, like, points <laughs> at her. No. I was like, no. you looking get no. bit? So many things in this scene. There's so many things. Right. She, like, she goes off so fast. First of all, whoever turned off the music when she showed up and then saw the, she saw the banner, she goes, homecoming, thank you, Marco. Thank you, Marco, and your banner. Or home, home, housewarming. And she's like, housewarming? Thanks, Marco's banner. And then she... She starts to attack Ellie and, like, doesn't even give her a chance to reply, really, except Ellie just, like, nods that she has been staying here and she looks like she's about to cry. Mm -hmm. And then she yanks Ellie and is like, there's a cab outside. We're going now. And she's, like, roughing her up a little bit. Yeah, But then Sean grabs her by the shoulder and it's like, you're touching a parent. And he has his finger in her face. And then she slaps him. And I was just like, whoa, this is a lot. A lot is happening. A lot's going on. Yeah, it's fucking rough as hell. Oh, and um, we played a little game earlier called uh, Tag Yourself in the Reaction Shot. Right. <laughs> oh my did. god, seriously? Because I literally, sc- I, I paused on it. Are you talking about everyone else's reaction? Yes. yes. I typed up a little bit of a like detailed thing of everyone's reaction and what they look like in that moment. Because it really was just like, you got to freeze frame right here. Like, I thought it was so interesting how everyone looked. I wonder what their directions were, if they had them down to, like, person by person. It was a sight to behold, because I was, like, getting screenshots from Frank while I was, like, at work. And it was just, like, a bunch of screen. It was, like, screenshots like that. And it was an absolute delight. I, um... Yeah. I said I was Jay. Marco's definitely disassociating in gay panic of, like, secondhand embarrassment. That is exactly what I said! No joke, I texted that. I'm like, I'm Marco dissociating. Exactly, he totally dissociated. Like, I know that look. I give that look. Right. Elsewhere. Oh. Tell yourself, I'm Marco dissociating. Don't just apply. I'm Jay. Yes. Jay was very tempting, but I knew the truth. Right, like, it's just like, math is just a perfect O. No, no, that's why. Yeah, Jay's, oh my god. My, my notes say Jay's mouth is literally hanging open in an O shape like the emoji iPhone suggests when you type the word shocked. Right. Because his mouth is just an O. Like, I, he is just living. I, he really I, is. I really would have enjoyed just like the cut over and it's just like Marco disassociating Ashley like looking shocked and confused. Jay shocked. And then like Alex is in mid-swing upward of, like, a bottle as she brings it on the table. It's like, bitch! Right. <laughs> Are you ready to throw down? 
It would have been... Absolutely, she's enjoying it so much and does not want to show it. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, trying to keep her face straight. But yeah, I, I kind of want Alex just to react with pure anger. Well, that's the thing. It's, like, also, like, um... It's, it's one of those things where it's, like, if you actually, like, really look at canon, this is just, like, this weird, con not really a weird concentration, but it's a high concentration of abuse survivors in one space, and an abuser is present. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, right. you're right. Jesus. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot when you really start thinking about that. But, like, you yeah. know... It's also one of those things where it's like just because you're you're in it and you can identify it yourself doesn't mean you're gonna handle every single situation perfectly. So like Alex being like yeah fight 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 is like you know not entirely unsurprising in a, in its own way. Yeah. Um, and I really just like Sean just standing there like I don't know what to do now. <laughs> Right. I mean, you get slapped by uh, by somebody's mom. You have a tendency of just kind of being a little, a little lost on what to do next. Yeah. Sean just quietly says, "I need an adult." Oh shit! I had to be my own. I am. Adult. I am the adult. Legally, I am the adult. Um, so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send somebody to bed about supper. Then I'll get me back on track. Right. Where's my chocolate cake? <laughs> Fuck! Oh my god, I forgot about the chocolate cake. Never forget chocolate oh milk god. plus chocolate cake. I hope Ellie gets him on the path of eating something better than have, chocolate cake. Have you considered baby carrots? Maybe. <laughs> you're gonna, Sean, you're gonna eat this kale and you're gonna like it. Right, like, have you considered a salad? Dahlia, what the fuck? She's gonna have to start him on fruits. Right. At least, because they're sugary. Like, that's as close as gonna get it first. That's uh, true. It's like, here's some grapes, honey. But, um, the next thing we have, we go into Ellie's house, um, and the place is a fucking mess because it's still burnt. I don't think it would be structurally sound. Like, there was a fucking fire. But her mom is just kind of like, yeah, whatever, we can change things up. We can make the kitchen periwinkle. I don't fucking care. Like, we got a fresh start because of fire damage. This girl's over here talking about periwinkle blue. Like, Ellie's like, hello, you slapped my boyfriend. Hello. Yeah, it's true. She does acknowledge it, too. And I do appreciate that Ellie says something about it, too, where she is just like, you slapped my boyfriend. And, like, does not mince words in this sense, where she's like, hey, that was fucked up. And I do appreciate that, like, it's... And I feel like Degrassi suffers from this. I think a lot of media suffers from this, where, like, a slap is such, like, a good little dramatic beat. And it's not really explored in the way that it can be or should be in the sense that it there, especially in this case, is a power dynamic issue. And I appreciate that, like, Ellie is not letting that, like, you know, be ignored that her mother crossed a line. Because sometimes it's easy to get really caught up in the slap, especially if it's somebody that you as a viewer believes deserves it. But in this case, like, they are trying to point out, like, no, that wasn't right. That wasn't really a dramatic beat. Is this something they could probably point out more often? I think yes, but I do appreciate that that Ellie's like, hey, that was not okay. Um, and the conversation between them continues to escalate, mostly because Ellie is um, flicking the rubber band against her wrist, and as she's doing that, her mother is demanding her to stop doing it. And her mother then just kind of dumps all of her self-injury equipment between them. And... 
shows and like it escalates to her pointing out like all the different ways that she can hurt herself with these weapons basically um and then she says that like you know she shows her scars she shows the fact that she was burned because of her mother um and blames her mother and her drinking for her self-harming um and her mother is really upset and her mom and her ellie is just saying like look like i have to leave and I think there's a lot of power in that, especially in media, because I feel like a big issue when it comes to abuse narratives is the whole, like, a parent says they're sorry and then suddenly they're absolved of all the horrible shit that they did. And it's honestly one of the most infuriating tropes I experienced, especially as an abuse survivor, because it's so insulting to me, basically. Like, it's insulting to me as somebody who has gone through it, as somebody who has had emotional abuse from my parents to watch a parent be like oh i was shitty i'm so sorry and the character being like oh you're right you're forgiven and it's like is that some people's prerogative sure but it's not everyone's and media should not only be reflecting that yeah so ellie just saying like i have to go and her mother just kind of breaks down on the kitchen table as ellie watches her it's rough yeah. It's a fucking rough scene. Um, I also was very proud of her for drawing that direct connection and being able to say that, like, again, I know she's been seeing Miss Obey. And yeah. I think Miss Obey is doing a wonderful job. I think she should be in the rankings this week, perhaps, even if she wasn't in the episode. Because these agree. kids are making the connections. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's 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 such like an incredibly difficult thing because i feel like yeah that is something maybe you talk about with your therapist you make the connections you see the trends and you identify it but to actually confront your abuser and say that is a level that yeah. not everyone gets to and that doesn't mean everyone has to but the fact that we are we have a piece of media that shows it is huge it, it doesn't mince words in that sense. It doesn't mince words about how much this is weighed on Ellie and how much this has impacted Ellie's quality of life. Yeah. It's very impressive in that sense. But the last scene that we have featuring this episode is Sean pumping iron. <laughs> he's Good just... Break. He's just going... Yeah. He's a spotter. I lifted one of those for the first time, like, a few days ago. Really? With nothing on it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's more than I can do. My partner dragged me to the gym. <laughs> that's way more than I can do. I, because of my back, I can't do that. Fair enough. Um, and... I should start saying that. I'm sorry? I should start saying that, because I have scoliosis. <laughs> like, don't make me do this. I have two herniated discs. It sucks. Um, but, uh, Ellie's like, yo, I'm here to stay. And I was like, where's your mom's? Like, she's in rehab. She drove me over here. And he's like, he, she drove you? He's like, she's sober. And hopefully for the next two months. Yeah. Um, and, um, Ellie has brought along, along a third roommate. Yeah, so she comes in with this carrier, and Sean's like, ugh, what's that? And she reveals what Sean thinks is a weasel, but is actually a <laughs> ferret. She's so happy with this little ferret noodling in her arms, and it's so cute. 
And I did have to spoil. Where did she get the money for it? Right? Don't know. I mean, ferrets, I guess, aren't the most expensive critter you could buy at a pet store, but that's still not cheap. Also, where's the cage? Where's anything? Where's the food? I don't know. But she's also a teenager, so you know what? Sometimes. I did spoil myself and looked up the ferret's name. And <gasps> You did, because I was going to say we didn't hear his name yet, and I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> Bueller Nash Cameron. <laughs> Ferret Bueller. Oh, that's where. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. That's just. Uh, it's okay. It's great. It's wonderful. I love them. They're so cute. And we end the <laughs> the final shot is Ellie and the ferret looking happy, and I'm very it's happy. So cute. It's one of my favorite freeze frame shots from this series. And it's just like <laughs> the first like there's this um there's this dude who does these videos like what your blank ship says about you and he'll just for certain people be like you just want good things for so and so and honestly who could blame you yeah and I feel like like this fair just wants good things for Ellie and honestly who could blame it right um so I'm gonna give this episode. A. Nice. Honestly, like, it was, it handled all its issues, or excuse me, all its topics very well. Um, the only thing I brought down was I did not care for Mrs. Nash's homophobia. Um, yeah, that felt like that could have been taken out, but. Or just, like, there was enough people for her to be shitty towards. Yeah. Like. Yeah, well, I feel like when you, like, are abusing your daughter and then slap her boyfriend, you're, you're kind of already on the shit list. Well, I mean, like, you could just have anybody walk by and, like, just, like, made fun of them. Yeah. Like, it just feels, like, I agree, like, it just feels like Mr. Kerwin and his partner show up just to be mocked. Right. And it's just, it's not cool. Yeah. Um, you guys got anything to say about it? I quite um. liked it. I am glad to be on an A episode. That's great. <laughs> Not a big, big, big downer, because they did some things well. Yeah, it's it's one of those episodes that I think I I understand why I was really I was all in after watching it as a kid. Um, I think that it is one of the stronger episodes of Sean. Because I think sometimes when Sean gets more of like the in the range of the A plot, this is not a Sean plot, but. I feel like sometimes when he gets extensive screen time, he just, for whatever reason, the writers just don't, they just fuck it up. Yeah. And in this one, I quite liked him in it. Um, I I enjoyed a lot of what they were trying to do. It's, there's aspects of the episode that are complicated, but there's also aspects of the episode that are kind of simple. Um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy the episode. I think there were like little things that we, we picked up on that we were like, eh, maybe that could have been tossed, and eh, maybe that could have been done a different way, but I think overall it was a solid episode. Yeah. Um, should we move on to character rankings? Yes. Um, snakes going up just for having to deal with Mrs. Nash. Um, Spike and Emma are just kind of staying the same plate. Now, oh, you know what? Good mother-daughter relationships, they get to bump up a little bit for still having one. Mrs. Nash can just... Uh, 
Mrs. Nash, I'm reminded of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, where uh, Jake is, like, interrogating this guy. He's just like, like and you kill this guy because you're junkie scum. And I, and addiction is a disease. I would have a lot more sympathy for you if you hadn't murdered someone. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't want to say she's a completely just unforgivable person. Because she's going through an addiction. And that's a fucking tough road to haul. So I'm going to say she's not quite at the, the end. She's not where Rick is. But she's within, like, waving distance. It's um, like all the other stuff sucks as well. So, um, Sean is on the rise for being just honestly the best this episode. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, he gets frustrated, but he doesn't really... He doesn't take it out on Ellie, and I can appreciate that. Um, he just wants what's best for her. So he's on the... He's very much on the rise, moving on up. Uh, Jay is going down for the shitty thing he said. Uh, Alex is on the rise for her good pun. Um, Jimmy said that weird thing about Manny. Um, so he's going down a rank or two. Spinner... He didn't seem to be... He didn't seem like he was being scummy. So he's going to rise up a few ranks. Manny, for just being super emotionally mature, is like on the rise as well. Um, Ashley, I can... Uh, Ashley, I don't understand. Like, honestly, I'm just like, why would you stick around with Craig? Like, is it... Why? Um... Is it the band? You can get a better band. Um, uh, she's she and Craig are staying where they are. Though Craig uses that photo for something, he's going down a bunch of ranks. Understandable. Um, who else? Darcy, I know nothing about. Um, uh, Miss Ove on the rise for just. Just handling so much. Giving Ellie a toolbox. Yeah. Um, Marco is definitely on the rise for being a kind and considerate friend. Um, Robert Kerwin and his partner for just taking that in stride. You guys are on the rise. Um, I think that's it. Sounds good. Oh, did you say Ellie? I mm. think I completely forgot Ellie. It's okay. <laughs> Ellie is, Ellie is just such a dear, sweet one. Mm-hmm. And for being for doing what she needed to do to take care of herself, she is going to rise to page like levels. And wow. pa- Paige didn't. I don't know. I've always been a big fan of Ellie, so she's always been in that stratosphere. That's true. Um. So yeah, so that's my rankings. Nice. Demi, do you have any ranking takes? I know you're a veteran, but if you have anything you want to share. Um, no. None that don't reveal things that are upcoming, so no. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> I why I don't do that. was great. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly why I sit out on this activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
I guess now we can move on toward recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are tangentially related, directly related, or just things we're enjoying right now. My pitch for my recommendation is, do you like experiencing teenagers dropping a whole lot of trauma on you? Then maybe you're interested in the new Fire Emblem Three Houses. It is a very exciting game because, as we now know, if you follow me on social media, I am now a gamer. As in, I play one game and it is this. But in all seriousness, I'm having a lot of fun playing this game. Um, if you're familiar with the Fire Emblem franchise, you probably know a lot of like why people like these games. Because they are part strategic RPG type stuff, part dating sim basically. Um, this one is pretty interesting. I am really captivated by a lot of the characters in it. A lot of these characters are dealing with a whole lot of fucked up shit. And kind of not horrible takes on trauma and how that affects your emotional well-being and how if you do not address that trauma then it's going to manifest in different ways and potentially result in you hurting people and hurting people you care about um there are some really good characters in it that i'm really really liking some relationship dynamics i'm really really liking and honestly i'm having a really good time so if you're somebody who's on the fence or somebody who has been like kind of wondering if it might be worth playing I'm legitimately having a blast. If you follow me on Twitter, it's all I can talk about right now. So if you are at all interested in hearing me talk to you about Dudu and Dimitri, please at me. That is my recommendation for today. <laughs> Demi, do you have a recommendation? Um, yeah, I don't have one that's really directly related. And I'm going to go a little off the rails and recommend something that I technically have not consumed yet. Just yeah. because I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, and it's also not released yet. I think technically it comes out tomorrow, the 20th. Um, but there's a book that, oh my God, this is not what I was meant to be looking at. I was going to give more details about it, but then my Amazon switched back to the last thing I was looking at. Anyway, so the book is called I'm Telling the Truth, But I'm Lying. It's a collection of essays by Basi Ikpi. She's a Nigerian-American writer. Mm -hmm. The book is um, basically a collection of essays surrounding her mental health, and I listened to her talk about it on the Read podcast, I think on their last episode, um, at length, and the way that she wants to frame it and have people sort of like in the moment with her when she's dealing with um, bouts of depression or anxiety and sort of um, all the things that pop up because of that, whether it be trigger warnings, suicidal thoughts, or self-harm, or... Um, what have you. Um, and also like she, when she speaks, I, I just, I'm so looking forward to reading that book and being put in, in her perspective. Um, because she's brutally honest and not in that way where it's like, I'm going to say some things that's going to offend some people. She's just like, these are the ways that I feel about boundaries and friends who don't respect your boundaries, or mm -hmm. this is how you should handle people in your life who are not going to understand that you are a different person now that you are taking better care of yourself. Um, and also I met her at, I used to be in a book club um, that started having a yearly festival and she was on the panel at that book club um, festival for the first year. And um, I got to speak with her a little bit. She's just really great. I've been anticipating this book for a long time. She's got good reviews by people um, who got advanced copies like Tarana Burke, who coined me too. Um, and it's great because there aren't enough, there are never enough or I feel like there won't be enough ever um, black people in America talking about mental health. It's mm -hmm. something that we don't 
get enough um, discourse around because basically every, I mean, everyone in the in this country needs a therapist at this point, but we especially need mm-hmm. to be looking inward if we can, and we don't often get the resources to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll read the description a little bit just because I feel like that was kind of all over the place, but it says, I'm in, I'm telling the truth, but I'm lying. Bossy Ikpi explores her life as a Nigerian American immigrant, a black woman, a slam poet, a mother, a daughter, an artist through the lens of her mental health and diagnosis of bipolar two and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Her remarkable memoir and essays implodes our preconceptions of the mind and normalcy as bossy bears her own truths and lies for us all to behold with radical honesty and brutal intimacy. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm just going to recommend it in advance. Yeah. I I definitely want to check that out. And it just sounds like a perspective, especially with like the, the bipolar piece. It's, it's a voice in terms of like the narratives surrounding bipolar that is very much needed um so i definitely want to check that out thank you so much for putting that on my radar no props um i'm going to recommend something that i saw on the superheroes in color tumblr um a book i've been reading called dread nation which honestly i saw the um i saw the cover and i just sent it to you uh demi um I saw this cover, and I was like, yes, I have to read this book. Um, I'll show you, Donnie. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I have this book. Oh. Um, yes. But it's by Justina Ireland. I just send it. I sent it through I Skype. I haven't gotten it. Did not come through Skype? What? No. My, my Skype is so weird all the time. Okay, well, <laughs> well, you just look it up. You'll see this sick cover. Okay. Oh, wait, do I have to? Yeah, yeah. Plus, no, cancel, whatever. Um, but it's by Justina Ireland. Uh, it's about a uh, young woman who was born on the day the dead rose from the battlefield at Gettysburg, and she's being trained to become an attendant and fight against them and keep other people safe. And it is just, it's one of the better young adult novels I've read in a while. Um, like, I love the main character. I love the writing style. I, I'm i only about a fourth of the way through, but I highly recommend it. It's like they just got into, like, a kind of... They're starting to get into the central thrust of the mystery, I guess, at the heart of the novel. And I just think it's really cool. So, if you're into, like, some war stuff and zombies, I would suggest checking out. Um, oh, and I also saw Blinded by the Light... Uh, I highly recommend that movie as well. It made me cry. So Wow, I didn't know that detail. <laughs> I mean, it's talking about Bruce. And trying to follow your dreams. So, And still my favorite line, uh, I was a little worried it wasn't going to be in the movie, but my favorite part from the trailer is definitely in the movie. Um, I've come here to see, I've come here to go to, uh, Bruce Springsteen's hometown. Uh, I can't think of a better reason than to come to the United States of America than to see the hometown of the boss. It's <laughs> a freehold? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, there's a mall. <laughs> um... Now that we've done all of that, Demi, you've made it through. Woo! 
Congratulations. <laughs> you made it through a skanking. Yeah, right? Wow, there's a, there a lot of twists and turns this one. This, this week was a real... I should twist. say that you guys made it through, because right. I know I always make these episodes so much longer. Nah, I have such a problem with details. My notes are so long. You should see. Like, I was telling, again, I was talking about preparing for the for recording, and I was like, yeah, it, the episode's like 22 minutes long. It takes me about two hours to write my notes, though. Yeah. No, I, I like it takes maybe two and a half. I I take a little bit myself. I I don't don't definitely don't beat yourself up because I feel like sometimes like that's why we have guests and that's why we have other voices come in because they pick up details that you know we we do not notice on our run throughs and sometimes you know we're doing this every single week. We we just kind of like you know sometimes we're like okay fuck we got like I got like forty five minutes let's fucking go. Um, but in, but. For people who want to know more about the details of what you have picked up on, how can people get in touch with you? You can find me on the Twitter. I always um, get my Twitter and Instagram handles confused because one of them has more H's than the other. So let me just beep, boop, beep, look at my own Twitter. Um, it is Black Snatch, B-L-A-C-K-S-N-A-T-C-H-H-H. And it can get as vulgar as that sort of implies. But it must be okay because LeVar Burton just followed me and I am not going to stop talking about that. What? That high. Congratulations. Yeah, I have no idea what I did. Congrats. <laughs> That's so know. exciting. That is so fucking cool. It's wild. I was just like, what? I think I like, I listened to his podcast and I think I replied to one of his tweets, but I was mm. just like... I, like, have you? Did he look at my Twitter? Maybe like, he did. Is he sure? I mean, I will. Like, say, I don't. It's wild over there. I, I will say this: what I really appreciate about you is like, not only have you been very engaged with like our podcast, but like, I love how like you're so actively engaged with like every podcast you listen to. I feel like whenever I check your your t- like your tweets, uh, like you are like asking questions or making observations and things like that. Like, it's nice to see like that you're, you're, like, taking such, like, an active listening of podcasts, whereas, like, sometimes it's literally me going, like, I need to sleep. I guess I'll put this on <laughs> and hope that Well, sleep I comes. love a podcast, and I can't shut up. So this is how that manifests. That's why we My lo- thoughts come out. We love having you. That's why we love yeah. having you. So thank you so much. No problems. So if you want to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Feel free to send any questions, comments, concerns, as well as any potential guest appearances. So you can be somebody like Demi, talking with us for a indeterminable amount of time about a Degrassi <laughs> episode. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, we truly enjoy having as many people as possible on the show. We love hearing different perspectives. Um, it's legitimately a blast having these conversations every week with people and each other, of course. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, we have two major platforms. You can follow our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod. Um, you can also support the show in two separate ways. Number one, you can donate to our coffee. Any coffee donations that we make go to our tech upgrades as well as compensating our guests. Or you can send, you can give us a rating or a review. And once we hit 20 ratings and reviews, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives. We're going to be doing some extra bonus content relating to Degrassi High and Degrassi Junior High. So if you want us to see what young Joey, young Caitlin, and young all of those other characters were like and having Frank's reactions to them, this is your chance to do so. Thank you, everybody who has already contributed to it. If you want to contact me on Twitter, 
Um, you can follow me at DM is Unbreakable. Please talk to me about Fire Emblem, because if I don't, then I'm just going to talk to people who don't play the game. So, like, please talk to me. Also, I have a couple things coming out. Um, I have, um, I've been just published in an anthology called X Marks the Spot, which is all about non-binary experiences, and I have an article in there about presentation and being in the professional world while being non-binary. So if you want to support it, please check it out. Um, it would be much appreciated. But thank you everybody for all your support and just listening. Um, I won't have a Twitter for another month or so. I didn't know there was a timeline with this. Um, I'm currently the Twitter for the Highlands Film Festival. Um, I'll be on my uncle. Uh, if you're in the New Jersey area, I was just checking out. It's October 4th and 5th. Um, it's a bunch of... It's This year's theme is the horror. Um, uh, but I might keep it up when I'm... When that's done. I don't know, but um, I do have a, um, I do have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk, where I review teen media with my sister. Um, this week's episode is Blinded by the Light. Um, uh, like I said, very good movie. Uh, if you want to hear Susie and I talk about it at length, check it out. Um, and I also have a show on YouTube called Mental Health Advice, where I give people advice Based on what I've learned, dealing with, like, roughly 20 years of being depressed and anxious. So, not a professional, but I just a guy who wants to help. Um, new episodes come out on Wednesdays. Uh, I'm not sure what this week's going to be. I haven't recorded it yet. Um, possibly about Dark Souls. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. You'll probably know by now. Uh, and that's it for me. Awesome. That being said, everybody, we hope you can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Bye. Now I must come.